Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 13, 14, and 15 of The Dragon Reborn, Punishment, The Bite of the Thorns, and The Gray Men. Enjoy! Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of The Will Reads. This is actually our 50th episode since we started this. Um, there's 52 weeks in a year, so yes, we're two weeks away from our our one year of actually doing this thing. Um, it's been a whole year. It's been a long year. I don't know about you guys. Uh, 2020s. Do you guys remember Tiger King? Isn't it, like- <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like that happened this year, to be honest with you. It was about six years ago, man. That was so long ago. Like six years ago. Yeah, I was like, man, Tiger King. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, we're, we're just moving right along. Uh, going to the Dragon Reborn. Um, we're, we're fi- after tonight, we're 15 chapters in um, and only two point of views. So, it's been great. Um, so. <laughs> Lots and less time, but it gets it gets worse. Oh, it gets worse. So, mm-hmm. little, little housekeeping. I I do need to apologize because last week I said we had no, no new patrons. We did have a new patron. So um, that was Blonde Landfear, all the way from Germany. Thank you so much for joining. She did join us. Um, I don't know how I missed that because we made a big deal about it on our Discord. But um, yes, thank you so much for becoming a patron. Uh, I know you can't listen to us live all the time because the time zones, but. Thank you so much if you listen to this uh, episode. Uh, we do appreciate your patronage. Um, since then, no new patrons. So, um, yeah, <laughs> we're still there with that. But, um, you guys, don't but they, you guys can get in there. You can be patient. You can be patient. Yeah, exactly. And tonight we're opening this uh, episode uh, live for everyone on our Discord server. Normally it is patron only. Um, and normally every once in a while we open it live. It's um, – um, it's kind of rare that we actually do this. Uh, we just that we had a big influx of, of new uh, people on our Discord today. Like, I don't know, like fifty people joined our Discord today. Um, it was wow. kind of insane, wow. and mostly all first-time readers. So we're like, yeah, it's celebration. Let's just make it live for everybody. <laughs> cool. It's helpless. Yeah, so people kind of making their way through. Um, other than that, nothing else really new as far as. Um, uh, giveaways or any new major milestones we've hit. Um, I think we're, we're almost to 200 Instagram followers. I don't know if, it's, <laughs> if that's a milestone you want to count. Um, merchandise, um, we're going to be doing some giveaways, of course, for our our one-year anniversary. So that's coming in January. Um, as far as merchandise, it's a good time to go buy some. Uh, a few weeks after Christmas. So check out our merch store. Um, you can find that at thewheelreads.com which uh, actually just goes to the great blight.com because I was lazy and didn't want to make my own website. Um, and Dave was already did that for me. So <laughs> I just bought a domain, a domain, domain name and then linked it to the great blight.com to my content creator page. And bingo, you got all the links. So that's also a plug for the great blight.com. Go check it out. It's a great resource. If you're reading through real time for the first time or a veteran and you want to um, uh, help contribute with that website, great articles, great wiki, um, great way to find other things going on at thegreatblight.com. Uh, and Lord, uh, we have a guest tonight. I have Lord from Unraveling the Pattern. 
and he's also really active on or somewhat active on the great blight as well mm-hmm. um so um uh, if you have never checked out his youtube channels uh his youtube channel i'd recommend it highly uh he makes amazing videos um and i'm sorry i'm not trying to be braggadocious too much but it's literally top quality youtube stuff um but um some of it is spoilery some of it's not um but just check it lauren's really good about telling that so i'll let lauren tell a bit about himself as well um just plug whatever you want talk about how great you are um, (laughs) oh that's uh, easy no (laughs) Uh, thank you guys for having me on this is i always love talking about the wheel of time with people and there's something super special about talking with uh, new readers, first-time readers. It's always a blast. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I have a YouTube channel. I uh, I've been making videos and animations for years and years, uh, but I, you know, I've been reading the Wheel of Time for even longer. I'm a huge fan of the Wheel of Time. Uh, I I talk to my friends about it until they stop wanting to be my friends. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to make a YouTube channel about it. And then I can make new friends who want to talk about it. So um, it's been really fun. I, I, uh, I kind of have, my goal is to make more spoiler free stuff with the intent of kind of being an informative channel for people who are new to the series through the TV show that's going to be coming out. So that's kind of my goal, but I do spoiler stuff as well. Most of my videos are safe, and I have spoiler meters on there that kind of tell people, okay, this is just backstory, and or this is actually story-related spoilers and stuff. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right now exactly. I'm working on, I, you know, I have like a million ideas, and it takes me two months to make one video because, you know, I, I can only do this when I have free time, which is rare. So uh, most of the time I am thinking about all these ideas, and then when I'm actually sitting down working, it goes slower than I'd like. But um I've got a series called Wheel of Timelines that I'm working on right now, which is um, all the history of the Wheel of Time leading up to the first book. So I'm not actually talking anything about the story after chapter one. It's everything leading up to chapter one of the Eye of the World. That's been really fun. And then I'm doing uh, Weapons of the Wheel of Time. Uh, You know, Amazon Prime recently released a teaser about uh, the Heron Mark Blade. And so I thought, you know what, I need to do like a little series of weapon related videos where I talk about the different weapons. So I'm working on that right now. It's a lot of fun. I'm actually, I actually was working on it a little bit today, but yeah, my plan is to just do lots of little series. I'm going to try to do slightly shorter videos than what I've been doing in the past, just so I can try to create a little bit more content more frequently. But at the end of the day, it's just fun to talk about and, and uh, animate things related to a little time. So that's what I do. Awesome. Really cool. Well, hey, so yeah. Alan is uh, a gatekeeper for Chris and I, so we don't go out looking at really anything Wheel of Time outside of what we do because we don't want to risk getting spoiled. But uh, I'll put Makes it sense. to you, Alan. But find some stuff that he has that you know we've either passed that topic or whatever, and send it our way. I'd love to check it out. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I've showed you one thing before at our house when we were drunk, but that was when we were drunk. So can watch. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I have one uh, video that's just kind of like a general, what is the Wheel of Time for newcomers? It talks a little bit about Robert Jordan. It talks about the scope of the series, how huge it is. And then I have another video that talks about sort of the backstory of what is the wheel itself and the great pattern. And I would say at the stage you're at in the books, none of that has any spoilers that would affect you. Ooh, cool. um, my Wheel of Timeline stuff is also pretty, vi- I, you know, I talk about like the Age of Legends and some of the stuff from the past. 
But the truth is, yeah. I mean, if you're wanting to be completely 100% spoiler free, um, it's probably yeah. best to kind of learn those things as you read rather than having someone info dump that stuff to you through a video channel. But sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Also, another thing that we've been doing recently in the last few weeks is uh, do a shout out to a country that we have listeners from. Uh, we used to ask for uh, countries to listen to us. Now I'm kind of shout out people that we already have listeners in. Last week we did a rat Iraq. Uh, What's the country that we shouted out? We have listeners there. Um, so I'm going to go the further away on the other side of the globe and Taiwan. Uh, we do have listeners from Taiwan. Uh, cool. Over there. Um, so pretty cool. None from China, but we do from Hong Kong. And I think it might be because of China's firewall. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that, but <laughs> we have all of, we have all around China, but not China itself. And there's a lot of people in China. So I don't know that works um you think at least one of them will like this yeah i mean like i said hong kong we have south korea and we have taiwan so like everything around china is is definitely represented we have listeners from but china itself no <laughs> and i know their i know their firewall is crazy so um yeah yeah, yeah and all of china yeah their firewall is insane because I've, I've had friends that live there and even communicating with them is extremely tough sometimes because <laughs> if you if you say something they get booted off the internet. Like if I said something to him, I tested it out one time. That was kind of fun. <laughs> Amazing. By the way, do not type inside any kind of messenger free Tibet when you're talking to someone in China. It's not a good <laughs> idea. They might, they might disappear. <laughs> and now because I said that, our podcast will never be in China. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah. So, um, so that's it. Um, as far as personal life going on, um, I'm working from home actually. Um, Finally, um, beforehand, I had this little setup. I was doing at my parents' house, um, but now my son's in daycare. My mom, my wife took a job, and my mother has uh, my my niece during the days now. So with all that going on, I moved in and set up an office at home. So actually, since COVID, I've not worked at home, and now I am. So oh, getting wow. used to that. Getting used to that, um, and um, also. Uh, the Armageddon of Yellow Jackets this weekend. I posted some pictures for patrons um, on our Discord server, but I had a Yellow Jacket nest, so I had to get rid of it. And the only way I know how to get rid of Yellow Jackets is by fire. So um, <laughs> I just dumped an entire can, can of uh, real lighter fluid on top of where the nest was and watched it burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to make sure you get them because – the ones that you don't completely kill and they're just a little bit burnt, a little bit scarred. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the Anakin Skywalker turning Darth Vader. Uh, that, that's where yeah. Murder Hornets actually come from. They come oh, back gotcha. stronger they, and they, more evil. Right. They dude, dude, I had the high ground. I had the high ground. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what you're doing then. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I had the high ground. Okay. So. Did you say hello there before you? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, should have. <laughs> All right. What's you guys? What's going on with you, Ian and Chris? Uh, so my most recent. Um, so luckily, I am teleworking now, at least through the end of the year, maybe through the first week of uh, January. Mostly because uh, everybody's taking tons of leave. There's nobody in the building I manage, so it's a good opportunity to do it. Um, I've also been hitting the gym pretty hard. I'm almost three weeks into my new routine and, um, everything in the gym's going great. You know, I'm 
squatting near 300 pounds now. I'm throwing around like dumbbells like I'm 20 years old, feeling great in there. And then a couple nights ago, uh, <laughs> I went to move a box in my apartment that weighed less than 20 pounds. And I just kind of pivoted a certain way and went to set it down. And my lower back gave out and I went down with the box. And I laid there for about an hour um, before I eventually messaged Alan. We were supposed to do some some recording stuff that night. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I can't really move. So <laughs> no, no. I, I squirmed to the fridge and um, got a couple IPAs out and just stayed on the floor and drank them. And, you know, the, the next day I was feeling a little bit better. So still kind of recovering from that. That, that's been yeah. like the big event in the last couple of days for me is realizing I'm old, like I could sneeze and my knee give out, uh, <laughs> move in a tiny box and like my back just shrivels. It, very frustrating. Chris? Um, I feel you on that one. That's what happened to me when back in August, September, and it took me, it happened at the beginning of August. It took me all the way through October to like heal. And now whenever I do too much, the back pain comes back. So they say it takes like anywhere between three and six months. And they were not joking for your back to completely heal. Um, oh no. And you know, that was me being able to leg press and squat what I can literally missed a step and then just jarred everything. So I feel for you on that one. So I um, have moved into grandma's house so I'm in a stable home that does not have mold or anything like that and I am all set up here getting my my office set up now but you know I got the bedroom put together and um you didn't realize like I guess it's one of those things to talk to grandma and visit her here and there and you know she's always in great spirit on the phone and when I'm here she's always up and at them but being here and observing I realized that she's not as good as she makes herself seem to be. Um, and so, like, today she actually went in for an outpatient um, procedure. She's got really bad kidney stones, and she's had five surgeries now to have them removed because they get so large. Um, so she's got – she had one more come back in. They couldn't get her into surgeries, so they decided to put a stent in. And they went to do the stent. They realized that the her kidneys are infected really badly, and she has not one but two kidney uh, kidney stones. So they are keeping her for like the next three or four days. Jeez. So it went from like her going in and thinking she'd be back home by four o'clock, ready for bed, to like, hey, I'll be here for a few days. I know you're going to Charlotte. Please leave for Charlotte on Thursday. And if I really need you, then I'll call you. So it's like, you know. Being Man. here, and there's a moment the other day she like stood up and then her whole body went into like paralysis. Mm. So at 91, things start to act up, and her mind is too sharp, so she wills herself to do a lot, but her mm -hmm. body is definitely not liking it all. So, yikes, that's a lot. Yeah, 91. Keep bring your prayers for those that don't keep her in your minds. <laughs> yeah, for sure, we'll do, man. It's good that you're there to help, man. It's yeah. funny how God works out that way sometimes. He threw some mold at you so you could go take care of Grandma. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely true. So, Lauren, anything with you? Personal? Anything you want to talk about? You don't have to. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> no. I love hearing you guys talk about the personal stuff. That's one of the things I like about your podcast. 
is you guys just kind of share your lives, get each other caught up on what's going on. Um, for me, yeah, I think I've been working from home as well. And uh, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? It's been crazy. But I, I, I my full-time job is I work for a digital agency. We make uh, videos and animations related to medical stuff. So I've actually made videos about kidney stone removals. Oh, wow. It's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, my, my wife is actually currently recovering from a surgery she had last week. And it's one of those frustrating things where the, the doctor made it sound like, oh, this is going to be a quick thing. You'll be back home quick. And then we get to the hospital and like, oh, no, this is an overnight thing. And the recovery is pretty rough. And so we've been oh, dealing wow. with that uh, for the last week or so. And, you know, it's been a slow, slow recovery, but maybe they say another five weeks of recovery, which is pretty crazy. Wow. But anyway, it's nice that I can be home because I can, I mean, not that I'm very good at getting things done around the house, but I'm trying, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm here more than if I were away at the office, which is nice. So it's one of those weird, like blessings in disguise sort of things, you know, for sure. I'm able to be here. So definitely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully things get better. Um, everybody's on the mid, it sounds like in different ways, whether it's grandma or Ian or, Lord's wife. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, we're all healthy here. Knock and wood. Um, <laughs> so hopefully it stays that way. Um, but yeah, so, uh, let's just be right into real time. That's what everybody's here for. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, let's escape so, a little. Escape from yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm going to go through some of the predictions. I only really had one from last week that I wrote down, but, um, I'm sure there's more, but then I'm also bringing some of the other ones, some older ones. That made that have really nothing to do with these chapters, but um, just want to get yeah, just kind of let Lauren also know that these guys make crazy predictions, although he probably knows that. <laughs> um, so one prediction last week was that Egwene is going to put Nynaeve in her place once you know they become equals, or um, Egwene moves up a little bit in the hierarchy. Um, just because I didn't for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was the first last. I guess in the prediction, I thought it would be much harsher than we've seen so far, but yeah. it's not. It's not totally wrong. At least what we've read. Yeah. Sure. A um, couple other ones is that Matt will be healed in book four. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you guys still think he's going to be four, but uh, so yeah. next book. I'm going to be carbonite for a few books. <laughs> I think you guys think he's going to get killed off after last episode, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and then, uh, and then uh, the other one I had was that uh, Moraine used compulsion on Tam uh, all the way back from Eye of the World. I just want to bring that back up just because we talked a little bit about Moraine in this chapter, but we haven't brought that up in a while. I just wanted to see if you guys still thought that Moraine used compulsion or compelled Tam. I I, I mean, yeah, I still think so. I mean, in That's when you're like Unless his injury when, is just okay. really, really, really bad, like he can't even move, I still can't imagine that he hasn't tried to uh, catch up and get back up with him at this point. Okay. And, and we've heard nothing, so there there had to be some shenanigans going on there. Okay. Maybe. All right. Well, let, do you guys have anything from last week you guys can remember that we predicted? Um uh, what about uh, Chris's uh, ongoing prediction about our um, mistress and novices? That's worth mentioning Mr. again. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that uh, Sherium is Dolores Umbridge? Yeah. That's <laughs> 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 oh, that's two yeah. <laughs> Chris nailed it. That's a, yeah, that's that's a, a, a dinner right there, brother. 
I think when we first met Sherry, but the first thing that Chris said was that Dolores on bridge. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I actually have some notes about that today. Uh, all right. <laughs> there you go. So uh, with that being said, we'll move right into chapter 13, Punishments. Uh, the icon is the Flame of Tarvalin. And um, we'll kind of jump right into the episode. So I'll start it out, and you guys can just start talking about it. It starts out a little slow. Um, like Wayne's just lying in bed. Uh, she's trying to think of a plan. She can't really think of anything. And you just get a lot of description. Description about the room. Description about um, the novice dress. Um, just about the novice quarters. Um, and then also about the, the hole in the wall that they can talk to each other. And then, so anything before we start the conversation with Elaine, anything about this opening couple description? I know Robert Jordan loves his description. So a lot, a lot of filler of the chapter ends up going to a lot of chapters, good description. Yeah, can I say, you guys like there's it? always yeah, something in it. So maybe there's something there we're missing. Well, one of the things that I find interesting is that, uh, you know, there, there's like a pretty common trope in fantasy, which is like the magic school sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's what Harry Potter is all about. Exactly. But I actually kind of like how Robert Jordan treats the White Tower and they're like, so far, we have not seen one time where they're sitting in class, like learning to become Aes Sedai. We only hear about that sort of through their point of view as they sort of think about it or whatever. We don't actually get a lot of details about sort of like their day-to-day schedules as related to how they're learning. We only get the details about their punishments or like the chores or, or the descriptions of the halls as they walk through them, which I find kind of interesting. And I like that because Robert Jordan really only goes to these characters in these settings when something important is going to happen. We're not sitting there watching them, be at school all the time or whatever, you know? I think what we really need to look at is not necessarily the, the, it's the devil in the detail. He went into explaining everything he did about the room because of, um, Egwene's thought of like a cell, like a collar. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's what this whole buildup was all about was essentially her trauma and the fact that she's she's got PTSD, if we want to equivocate it right. nowadays. She definitely is struggling with um, life in general now that she has gone through this traumatic situation where she was enslaved for quite a bit of time and where she once was excited to be here, she now feels almost a captive. And she is. I mean, what these what the ladies don't realize is that they're captive of the cloth. Like once they take the oath, their lives are as that it belongs to the code of the Aes Sedai. And though it is essentially by choice, can you really call it a choice when there are only two choices are learn or burn out and die or be stilled? Right. Those really choices. So Jordan makes a really good attempt to make this. Exactly. He makes us feel good about the choices, but for real, like, they're not really choices. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So then Egwene and Elaine start to whisper to each other because their rooms are being guarded by acceptance uh, just outside the door. So they're trying to be quiet about it. Um, And they're just really confused in why they're being punished. Like, you know, they were taken by the Black Aja, you know, tricked, tricked into leaving. Then they brought the Horn of Valir back, and they came back. Like, they did all this great stuff. Like, why are they being punished for this? Um, and they're trying to kind of 
think about why and even talking about, well, I'm not being stilled. I'm not going to be punished. So I'm going to run away. And they start talking about different options there. So that's the next scene is them kind of talking about their options and what to do if, um, you know, if punishment is harsh. Yeah. I wanted to ask about this. Do you guys think that they're justified in thinking that they're heroes and that they don't deserve punishment? Or do you think that they're kind of full of themselves and they deserve punishment at this stage? So does deserve punishment? Absolutely not. But should they expect it? Um, when I guess I'm, I'm incorporating a little bit more of what I, what I know as a reader, right. uh, we talked before about like the conflict that exists within the tower between the different Aja. And then obviously now we know about the black Aja and then you learn about, you know, Moraine and the Amberlynn and their kind of secret mission that nobody else knows about except kind of Baron now. So there's like, there's this, the game that, uh, the days to Mar within Tar Valon that's going on. So, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately for these girls, they're getting caught up in it and there's no way they could be hailed a hero because there's just so many other little side quest and conflict and whatever going on within the tower itself. So it's unfortunate right. they don't deserve it, but I mean, it all makes sense the way it's unfolding in these chapters. Yeah. And the other thing that's a little strange is the, you know, these girls aren't your typical novices or, or accepted, right? Because they've had these weird experiences where they've kind of uh, leveled up a little faster than most people. Right. And yeah. now they're being put back into this situation where they just have to be compliant and everything. And I'm, I when I read these books my first time, I, I felt like these girls were extremely full of themselves and like, like why do they think that they are deserving of special treatment or whatever? But now I'm recognizing, well, they kind of are. I mean, um, and you know, this might be skipping ahead to the next chapter, but the Armorland basically says, yeah, you're you're really strong. Yeah, you know, you're you're stronger than any of the Black Aja you're just not trained. You're not very trained. And so I think they must be constantly dealing with this conflict of being told you're great. And then also being forced to, you know, literally scrub floors and stuff. It's gotta be difficult. Yeah. And and part of their confusion here, I brought up in the last episode, uh, frustrating again, lack of communication. There's no reason Baron couldn't have just pulled them aside before they got to Tarblon, before they ran into white cloaks and be like, Hey, ladies, look, uh, this is more than likely how it's going to play out, and this is why, you know, don't freak out. Like, we have to come down hard on you, but that's only because of the politics of everything going on. Like, she could have prepped him for it, and there'd be less confusion uh, among the girls. But she didn't. She just to- chose to march him in there and <laughs> let him, like, figure it out with any, without any, like, uh, spoilers, whatever. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, think, I think Baron could have helped him out a little bit. Well, I think humility is a thing with the uh, Aes Sedai to a certain extent. And so with this great... Sorry? Sorry, I was going to say, I feel like there's going to be some big irony with that, uh, because as full as they are uh, of themselves, um, I don't know, you you already see, like, they're going to get caught off guard about how much they don't know about what's happening and what's going to happen and all the other players in this world. Right. Well, yeah, if you think about what, what we're learning as readers, like there are Aes Sedai that know a lot more. They've let on a lot more. They're doing a lot more, but you don't know about it. And why is that? Because they keep things quiet. They have a certain level of humility outside of themselves. Uh, and then also they learn to keep quiet. So they're, I think they're 
being put in a situation where, yes, we know you're great. You know you're great. You should know that you're great, but you need to make sure others don't really know that you're great. Because that's going to bite you in the backside. It's just as much for protection as it is for the sake of ensuring some form of humility because a great saying with great power comes great responsibility. Like the more that you're honored and the more that you feel like you're above others, the easier you are or the more corruptible you can become. Yeah. Well, and obviously corruption in, in magical power is literally one of the themes of this series, but we don't talk much about the corruption that is potential for the females it may not be, you know, the dark ones taint, but it's still, they can, they're still corruptible. And, and I think we see that obviously with the black Aja and others who get too big for their, for their britches or whatever the term is. So all, all, all this might seem like a tangent, but to your point, Alan, you know, what are my thoughts when I'm reading this opening section? <laughs> Lord nailed it. Like, uh, even as I was reading it, I went back and forth like, all right, these girls aren't taking it seriously enough because they're talking through this hole. They were told not to talk. Like, mm-hmm. but, but then I'm like, well, why should they take it seriously? They should feel like heroes. And on top of yeah. that, like the Aes Sedai that put them in there, they were all once novices. They know that these holes between the rooms exist and that these girls use it to talk to each other. So it's like, I don't know. I went back and forth of like, they, they should take it more seriously and also they shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, and then in the middle of them talking, the door does swing open in our accepted foul 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 lane. Um, foul lane, foul lane, foul lane. It's one of those ones I never passed. Foul lane's how I always. Foul lane. Foul lane. There you go. There you go. That's 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 how the audiobook says it. Foul <laughs> lane. Um, comes in and just being really shitty towards them, uh, <laughs> like she is. And Egwene doesn't even give her the time of day. Like doesn't even answer. Just stares her down. Uh, it kind of moves slowly, like does the stereotypical, like fine. I'll, I'll slowly put on my 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 boots. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me, like, of, like anybody that has kids has seen this happen. Like, yes. I need you to put your toys away now. Fine, they pick up one Lego at a That's time true. and put it in the box, and there's a thousand Lego pieces on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah, I'm dealing with yeah. this every day of my life. <laughs> uh, my, uh, I was going to say, I, I like this uh, little exchange here because they've been told you are not allowed to speak to anybody except I said I, and the accepted who are who are kind of guarding their rooms have been told this, and so Failing comes in all sweet at first, like, "Hey, how's everything going?" and then. Egwene's about to say something and then she realizes, oh, she's trying to catch me saying something, which would be a direct, um, you know, disobedience or whatever. So so then she chooses not to say something and failing immediately becomes sour. Like, oh, man, I didn't get you. So then Egwene's like, "Uh, you know, I'll I'll get you back. And she (laughs) takes her time. The game within the game. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, again, where I bounce back to, okay, I guess they are taking it a little more seriously because uh, there's a lot of self-control being shown by Egwene. And I can only imagine, you know, as they're approaching Nynaeve and the other accepted collecting her up, Egwene and Nynaeve and even Elaine, they got to know by now that they can whoop the snot out of any of these accepted as far as handling goes. Right. And they're not even attempting any kind of showmanship here or attempting to put them in their place. And after everything they just went through, I don't know. I, I I was anticipating that would have been more of a struggle for him, but it wasn't. You know, they showed discipline pretty quick and sucked it up. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, we get to the, I guess, the antechamber or the kind of the waiting room of the island seat um, as they, they leave the novice, the novice quarters to get more description um, of all that. And also, one thing I wanted to notice, uh, note before we get to the Armland is that the whole, everything's almost empty. They definitely make a point about that, like how most of the novice, you know, there's not hardly any novices. Like, there's tons of space, and like, there's no one in these rooms. Uh, it's, it's all empty. Um, it's hardly anybody in the hallways. What's your thoughts on all that? I did wonder why you- everything was empty. I was wondering, but I mean, we do find that numer. Well, I don't want to go ahead, but it, it just like- everything seemed kind of eerie and off. But then it also made me wonder, like, when do these people learn their their art? And, like, how often are they traveling the hallways? Or are they spending hours elsewhere learning to do what they're supposed to be learning to do? And then how many people are actually in Tarvalon? Like, how many trainees are there? Like, how many new Aes Sedai are there, in tra- like, coming about? Maybe there yeah. aren't that many people. And they mentioned it, actually, earlier this book, or last book when they first like books were together and the great hunt, when they first got to the white tower, it was mentioned that they were one of so many novices and only a handful of those would actually make it to accept it. And only a handful of that would make it to I said, I, yeah. So it's not um, like there's a lot of people there to begin with. Yeah. And, and one of the theories that they brought up in the great hunt too, is that the power's being bred out because they're gentling men. So the, the reds don't want to talk. That's, that's really bad. The Reds don't want to talk about that. So. Yeah, they don't want to accept that they're that for three thousand years they've been gentling men who can channel and sort of like culling the ability to channel out of the population. But the other thing is, you know, I listened to some other podcasts as well with other first time readers, and someone brought up something that I totally agree with. Why isn't there an Aja dedicated to going out and finding people who can channel? That really isn't a thing. You would think that the tower would be interested in like increasing their numbers and going to villages and finding people, but they don't really seem to do that. They just kind of, if someone who's out and about find someone, they might bring them. But other than that, I guess you just have to go to the tower on your own. Is that how it works? Yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about that. It, well, I guess I assume that's kind of what Moraine was doing, but that's not what Moraine was doing. She had a very specific purpose and it's, you know, has been clearly operating way outside the normal, you know, boundaries of, of what she should have been doing. You know, she's on like a secret mission. Right. I mean, she went assuming there was one person she was looking for, and she left the two rivers with what, like five different people or something? Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Oh, didn't think of that. I think their numbers are so thin, they don't have the opportunity to search. I mean, I don't know what happened in the past. Maybe that in the past, they did have a group dedicated to going out and looking, but their numbers were thinning so much that they have more important tasks to take on. Right. And then I think it is like you kind of indicated, like the thought is wouldn't people want to come, but then also there's the fear. Well, first off, there are areas where they don't believe Aes Sedai is still a thing anymore. And then for others, there's the fear that they'll be still. And then even more, there's the lack of knowledge. I mean, the two rivers didn't realize that their wisdom women were actually Aes Sedai right. in, in waiting, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and it may just be that you have these super strong Aes Sedai in the two rivers because you also happen to have three Taviran living there, right? Like True. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they were like attracted to that area or something. I was going to say another thing that they sort of point out through these descriptions of the tower, not only is it massive, but it's like, 
you know, the hallways are so big, a wagon could go through them. And yet there are several floors up. It's this huge, massive thing that Robert Jordan sort of talks about this idea that they don't even know how they built the tower. Like even that's lost, right? They live in this sort of like relic of the past. That's um, something they couldn't even rebuild if they tried, I think, which is kind of interesting. And then, sorry, one more thing I wanted to point out, if you don't mind. Uh, Go for it. (laughs) I think Robert Jordan, absolutely. One of the themes is we're in a matriarchal society to to some degree, you know? Um, And I think one of the things he try is trying to point out in the theme of the series is women have been in charge so long um, because of this imbalance between male and female channelers that now the, the pendulum has sort of swung the wrong way in the opposite direction. Like there's still imbalance in the world. And so I think the Aes Sedai are so like, uh, what's the word? They're so into their own political stuff and what's going on in the tower and everything that they don't think much about the world outside, which is completely against what Aes Sedai were originally in the Age of Legends. They were servants of everyone. Yeah. So I think the Aes Sedai have pretty much lost that. I think they're so internal. They're so selfish in a way that they don't realize that they're meant to be servants of everybody. Yeah. Oh, my, my favorite part is when we found out that uh, like one of their most sacred charges is to guard the seals. And they don't even know where the heck all the seals are. <laughs> like they've, just, right. they've lost track of them all. I mean, I guess that kind it's of so true. a little bit too. <laughs> they don't. You, you had one job. You had one job. Literally, your, t- your, your title is the Watcher of the Seals. And you can't watch it. <laughs> Lincoln, what yes, are you so- doing? I'm guessing. I guess nobody's messing with the seals. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, um, so as they're walking to the Armland, Nadiv actually joins them as well um, with her own accepted, uh, you know, escorting her. Uh, so the three of them, Elaine, Egwene, and Nadiv, all get to the, uh, the the waiting room at the antechamber um, where uh, Leanna Sadai is the one there waiting for them. Um, and then you get this nice little interchange with uh, Fanlin trying to be all shitty again and kind of tattle on Egwene and he gets punished for it, which I thought was great. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, that's one of the eyes that I just take an opportunity to put the, the accepted in, in their place, just reminding them you're still accepted. This is none of your business. You, you've overstepped a little bit. Go think about that. Right. And then we get to the Arbalan. So anything we missed before we get to actually, this, this, this is going to take the rest of this chapter. So um, anything that you want to talk about description wise or anything that any questions Lauren you had or anything before we start talking about this interaction? No, all my, the rest of my notes are all related to the interaction. Yeah. Okay. All right. Chris, anything for you? Nope, I'm good. All right, cool. So, yeah, so they enter the chamber with the Armalyn, and you get a description of her chamber, which is uh, very ornate. You know, it's uh, like, like a palace would be. Um, she is probably the most powerful woman in the world. I mean, a lot of people have equated her like to like a Pope-type figure, um, you know, like the Pope. Um, I know a lot of the podcasts do that. Um, more than a king, because it's not like they're – besides Tarvalin, she doesn't really rule anything else, but everyone pays attention to the Arvalin. So and we've talked about this before, but her chamber fits that. It's very, very ornate and elaborate. And um, when she turns to address them, she says, so the runaways have returned. Uh, and immediately they start protesting. Like, what do you mean? We're not runaways. Um and that's where this whole interchange kind of turns down to go really fast. 
<laughs> yeah, so I'm, I was totally floored that Nynaeve was so quick to throw Egwene under the bus. And I got to read this here because I don't know if you picked up on this, Chris. But Nynaeve says, oh, wicked, bad, naughty, evil Egwene. Oh, she is a naughty person, and she must pay the penalty. And here in Tarbalan, we have but one punishment for running away. You must tie her down on a bed and spank her. And Amberlin goes, a spanking, a spanking. And Nynaeve says, yes, you must spank her well. And after you have spanked her, you may deal with her as you like. And then spank me. <laughs> I completely miss that somehow. Yeah, that's, maybe I got the, you know, a different version, but it's totally in mine. Well, it, was, it may not be in the published book, but it was still written by Robert Jordan because we know he likes that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, definitely uh definitely uh was that was that uh, the scene from uh the holy grail holy grail yeah the yeah. was it castle yeah. of uh anthrax anthrax yeah when the girls come out <laughs> spank me, <I'll> spank me <laughs> first <laughs> spanking spanking yeah. uh, my mind wandered like these two girls go in front of the amber lane and they're about to get punished and that's, <laughs> that's where my mind she did talk about switching though so i'm a dirty dirty man i'm oh, sorry geez. guys I just realized yeah. if the show if the show gets this far, there's going to be a a parody of this made. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Please, God, yes. I mean, Robert Jordan. <laughs> Robert Jordan loves his corporal punishment. It's one of his favorite. Yeah. Uh, so we get this whole entire interaction. <laughs> the, the one that the rest of us read, Ian. Um, uh, the, the really pissed when Nadine protests um, about uh, they're not being runaways. Um, I think it was not even protest said we're not runaways. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Amelia says, you know, Lorraine's Black Aja. She's the one who took us. And, and they everyone cuts her off. And it's like, sons, we know she's Black Aja. Yeah, quit talking. You're, you know, you're not supposed to be talking at all right now. You're a novice or accepted. Um, you know, it starts to kind of lay out what happened. Uh, we learned that several of the Terra were stolen. Uh, and that several sisters fled. It wasn't just Leandrin. Specifically, uh, how many? Because I think that number is important. It is later, yes. Well, and 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 earlier. I mean, not not a read and find out thing. When when is another yeah. time that you've heard of thirteen as a number in the series? Oh yeah, are super bad people. Forsaken, yeah, forsaken, yeah. forsaken, and now there are thirteen black guys. Yeah, something Sister to something. think about is all danger. Yeah, maybe they're gonna give their bodies to the. I don't know, maybe they're like the keys to opening a portal to allow the Forsaken to come back, and maybe they become the Forsaken, you know? Yeah, okay. and I mean, Just that saying, could be the like purpose that. of, like, one of the, what did they actually take, the Terangrials? Ter- yeah. The one yeah. that they don't know what it does, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it allows them to transfer their soul into these Black Aja. Yeah. So I was going to ask you guys, why would they steal these Terangrials if the, if the tower doesn't even know... What they do, like, oh, how would the Black Aja know? With the Forsaken and the Forsaken are from the time when those things were used, so they have the information on how to use them and what they do. Yeah, they, that intel. Yeah. I mean, they have Landfear. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. We know Landfear's out, so right. she could be right. kind of like directing things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was even thinking. I don't know if there's true. Maybe one of these um, is part of the reason the Black Aja have been able to stay so hidden. Because, you know, they all have to take the oath with that rod. And mm-hmm. it seems to me they've been able to dodge, or, or you would think, being Black Aja, they've been able to dodge some of that. Um, 
and, and maybe one of these angrils or terangrils allows them to circumvent that oath. Yeah, interesting theory. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, they, it's like a little throwaway line, but they do say the oath rod binding, it binds oaths to the person, which I don't remember if we've heard that before in the series. Is this the first time we learn about that or they... is that something we've known? Yeah, they, they, they've talked about the oath rod uh, previously. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay, so we know that the oaths, the ice that I take are not just oaths. There's something stronger, right? Yeah, they're more like spells yeah. that bind them to... Yeah. The, uh, like, I wonder what would happen. Would they die if they break the oath? Interesting, yeah. yeah. Uh, man, I remember speculating about all this stuff in the 90s when we were all waiting yeah, for the yeah, next yeah. book. <laughs> wow, I was watching Power Rangers. Uh, I was also watching Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you also get a review here of the different types of Angriels. So, uh, just as a review, because uh, a lot of times they get confusing. You have regular augurils, which are just, they're kind of like, what's the best way of putting it? They're, they're things that are used to amplify the power. Um, so they, they're used specifically for making you stronger with the power. That's what augurils do. And then sub-augurils are just like super, super, super angrils. They just make you super powerful. And then two augurils have nothing to do with amplifying power. They just do specific things. So... That's why you know they're happy they didn't get their hands on the augurils and saw augurils because that would, you know, they'd be able to do like really be really powerful with the power. They just got a bunch of augurils where no one really knows what the things they do. They just know that they do something. They're like the There's teenager augurils. They they do what they want. You can't tell them what they're yeah. doing. Right. But the, the the point is they don't amplify. Those don't amplify power at all. They just um, like for example the testing rings that that Nynaeve went through to become accepted are are terogreal and the oath rods are terogreal they don't enhance power they just do things yeah but didn't they also yeah. say that you don't have to be able to channel to be able to use those ones that they some some yes some no it's okay. a little of both gotcha. well this is completely unrelated to the series but robert jordan said in a question and answer once even the toasters from the people back in the age of legends ran on the one power so the idea is that like yeah. the way we use technology today they use terogreal for everything. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It'd be funny if, like, at the end of the book, like, one of these they were protecting because they thought it was important, and all it does is, like, pasteurize honey or something like that. Like, just something totally random. <laughs> you got to put that down in the uh, predictions. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That totally comes true. Like, you know, the final battle, remember they had that one, it was just an egg timer, you know, a ding, and they're like, oh. <laughs> and the dark one, done. it's literally just honey. Yeah, that's... <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm, I'm being called out in the chat for saying interesting too much. <laughs> I got to find a new word. Indubitably. Indubitably. Profound. Anyway, so... Um, Let's uh, also you find out right right in the scene that they actually murdered people as well. So it wasn't just um, just <laughs> I, I like it's like oh they got away they took Terangriel oh yeah and they murdered some people. <laughs> yeah. Well, this this kind of speaks to why they had to keep their mouths shut because yeah. Swan sort of alludes to this fact. Like she's tried, she's worked very hard to keep things. Um, quiet and under wraps and she's managed to she said she couldn't uh, let like people in the city knew there were dark friends who got into the tower and that some people died but 
no one knows that it's Black Aja and that Aes Sedai actually died. And she's been working very hard to keep that quiet. So when Egwene runs in and the first thing she says is like, the Andrin's Black Aja. She's like, shut up. You know, she's really trying to make sure they understand not to talk about it. Like, that's kind that's of the right. point. Misdirection is probably the greatest tool that the, the Aes Sedai have in general. Like, that's how they get away with not lying is they misdirect people and they smoke screen so that they can tell half-truths or they can tell the truth without telling exactly what the truth really is. And they're not breaking their oath. So right, and this is why no one trusts them anymore because, oh, yeah. You know, they're, that, that they're right just there, that, that oath they took and then what they've done to get around it, it probably damn them and harm them more than anything else. Because if yeah. you look if you look at any personification of evil in like any bit of our own history or any fiction, nonfiction that you read, one of their greatest tools that evil uses is lies and manipulation. <laughs> and like that's that's how we've come to know all of the eyes that I we run into. I, I mean, that's been my biggest battle with Moraine. I go back and forth between loving and hating her and you know, can't trust her because all the freaking half truths she gives. So right. they, they kind of shot themselves in the foot and the people they become because of, you know, that one oath they took. And, and yeah, this whole, like, need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know anything. That's kind of Maureen's approach, it seems. Yeah. And, can, and, and since we only get that from the perspective of the young people, we tend to get frustrated along with them. But now, you know, as I'm older and I'm dealing with, like, a teenage daughter, <laughs> you know, I'm realizing, oh, Maureen has a point. She, it's, she doesn't have to share all this stuff with the kids. You know, like <laughs> because I said so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. That's a dangerous one, though. And Swan is even worse. I think. I think Swan is all about manipulating, all about keeping things to herself. Um, you know, she mentions that little black box on the table that um, you know is important. Like, there's so many little secrets that she's keeping mm-hmm. that um, she's constantly trying to manage it. And now you get these three willful girls who think they're hot stuff coming in making a mess of it i think swan's approach to scare them to death is the best approach he's just trying to get them quiet and um you know obedient right and at the same time she still gives them enough nuggets of truth uh and shares enough with them that like it's not a very harsh um like we were just saying you know uh because i said so like she gives some reasoning and the reasoning makes sense, and it sounds pretty solid. And with within that, and getting the girls to do what she wants them to do, um, you know, she convinces them that their life is also at risk if they don't play this just right, kind of follow her plan, sort of thing. So it's very skillful manipulation. She gives them just enough what they need to keep them motivated to do what she wants. Yeah, exactly. All right. And, and you also learn here on why they're, they have to be punished. It's, it goes back to this whole manipulation and face that they're trying to put on. So one, they don't want anybody to know that Black Ajas even exist or that any sisters, what they did. Um, but two, if, if they were taken by the Black Aja and that gets out, then there's going to be a lot of people that suspect that they're actually just agents for, you know, yeah, like, oh, you're right. just that's coming in. Um, and, and, and Swan doesn't think this, um, you know, uh, the M1C doesn't, doesn't think this. She thinks, yeah, that they're, they're not they that they were taken and they're actually she, the only ones she can trust to not. Right, exactly. But she has to punish them. 
Because well, and I, you know, otherwise... at the same time, I think she's still leery. Um, I don't think that she can. She realizes because of who they are to Moraine, and then the fact that they came back, and the fact that they brought these things. She realizes all the stuff that's brought back. But at the same time, she still has to be somewhat leery. She's like, you're really the only ones that I can trust because you're the closest to the information. So I'd rather, it's almost like keep my enemies closer in a sense. Yeah, keep that circle small like, too. Yeah. Um, and then if you look at it also, um, you're right. She made the statement, like if they knew that you were with the Black Aja and that you came back, you would be stilled or killed right away. I think that just kind of goes to the level of distrust that I said I have for each other. Oh, yeah. Bingo. That's another reason probably why there's so few is because why bring more women into power that can be equal to them? You know what I mean? Like, why bring more sisters into the circle? Make the circle yeah. bigger, make us less powerful than what we really are because there's more people with the same power. There's a little bit of a power trip there. Yeah. So, and then... Then the Emerlin finally deals out her punishment. You know, the first punishment is that you'll be switched. That's that's number one. Spanking. Uh, spanking. Spanking. Yeah. And after the spanking. Um, yeah. More uh, spanking. I won't, I, won't, I won't go there. I won't go there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, uh, announcement was made that that was, the part, that was part of the punishment. That, you know, it was announced that they're going to be spanked. They'll <laughs> be, quote, visiting Sherium's study. They're to be sent to the kitchens to scrub pots pretty much indefinitely, um, uh, like just forever until otherwise notified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, they're supposed to, and they're supposed to take their punishments, you know, without any. Uh, that's another thing she put out. If, if they had balked about their punishments, she had more punishments ready for them. So, uh, you know, they're just supposed to take them. Um, but then she adds a little bit of honey with it. With uh, it's supposed to be raised a uh, grain in a lane, or to be raised accepted, which is kind of like a punishment slash reward, right? It's a little yeah, yeah, it's a little bit. But considering what she's about to ask them or, or charge them to, sure. uh, uh, yeah. she she needs them to have a little bit more freedom to move about the tower, right? right? So yeah, yeah, and it's it's I, I don't see it as punishment. I mean, I I know like what we know about the the life of the accepted especially early on but the Amerlin, i believe knows that these girls definitely still want to become Aes Sedai. and and they're willing to go through whatever so this that part's not a punishment i thought this was neat um i'm kind of curious in the military how long this um method of correction's been around and i'm not saying we always do it right in the army in fact there's a lot of poor leaders that just yell all the time but uh, I've been taught from early on, and even my dad used to speak this. He's career Navy for the longest time. You don't just uh, give somebody that you're trying to train and that you you know eventually need them to rise to the occasion. You don't just lay into them and give them a bunch of crap. You got to sandwich it between a couple of good things. It's like an Oreo. Yeah. I mean, you hit them with some crust on the outside. You're like, you mother effer, bleep, 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 bleep. And then you give them some of that soft crust in the middle and be like, but I see potential in you. And this is where I'm going <laughs> to help train you. And this is how we're going to work on this together. And then you cookie that shit on the other side and you help <laughs> them dumbass, you know? So, um, and that's going on here. There's, you know, they, they sandwich this little, by the way, we're going to keep moving you up. I'd move you up even further. You deserve it in some ways, but I can't quite do that. 
So yeah. I'm like, ooh, ah, man, let's maybe this is right. No, oh, this is great. And then she calls them untrained at the same, like in the same breath. It's like, yeah. don't you know? Remember your place, but you're still better than everyone here. But remember your place, kind of. A thing. <laughs> but you just said my place was better. Oh, never mind. I just, I just trying to understand it. <laughs> All right, we do that in education. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like it is like it trusted. This is a thing that we do all the time. Yeah, it definitely yeah. works. How are we doing corporate world too? It's Are we doing it the other way? Your kid is great, so great. We love your kid. Your kid is shitty. Oh, but you're here so great. <laughs> you have a sandwich, we have an Oreo. <laughs> Stuff the shit. There you go. So yeah, so Queen immediately starts to daydream about like all the things she's going to learn and She's accepted and all that good stuff, and um, <laughs> it kind of almost daydreams right out of the whole situation that's happening. Um, but then, kind of snaps back to reality when Elaine starts asking about, I guess, her mother, and you learn that Borghese is pissed because uh, apparently Borghese came to the White Tower looking for Elaine to see how her studies were going, and she wasn't there, and no one knew where she was. And her daughter disappeared. And Borghese is like, well, it's, if you guys can't keep track of my daughter, the daughter heir to Andor, the future queen of Andor, then uh, we got problems. So yeah. we, we, we learn about the, the, the split between Andor and the White Tower. It was really just because Elaine wasn't there. And it's a big deal that Elida was left behind yeah. when Morghese goes back to Andor. This is the first time in... I don't know, centuries that the queen of Andor has not had an Aes Sedai as her um, advisor. Yeah. advisor. Yeah. This might be a good thing though, because I don't she know. She was creepy. She In fact, I'd have put a high percentage early on back then. If you'd asked me, do you think she's black Aja? I'd have been like, mm, that's about a 75% chance. <laughs> you know, she, she just creeped me out. So yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not horribly upset about it. I like Elida as a character so far because I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but we've only seen her once, right? With uh, Rand in the yeah. Eye of the and, and yet uh, she's mentioned enough that we know that she's not a pleasant person, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And now, you know, the the implication is that she's probably at the tower now. So Definitely. what's going to happen? Oh, she's going to be training them. That would be phenomenal. Maybe <laughs> she's trying to overthrow the current Amalek seat and become the Amalek seat Another little nugget that you you guys probably know this, but you know it is reiterated that Elaine and Galad share the same father. Yeah, I, I I remember I I never remember like how all the what's the word all the little like family links when they're revealed and everything, but that stuff's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they brought that back yes. in here. Do all three of them share the same father? Yes. Uh, is that right? Yeah, the, all three yeah. of them share the same father, but only yeah. Elaine and Gawain are from Queen Morgays. Yes. Yeah. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. The Gawain's from the the former queen that disappeared, or the, the the former daughter heir that disappeared and left the power void in Andor, and then there's a succession period, and Morgays was raised. Oh, that's and, right. And then the the husband of the former daughter heir didn't have a wife anymore, so he just keep power married Morghese. Right. So, and then, <laughs> and then he died yeah. under mysterious circumstances, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Around. Yeah. All right. So um, anyway, uh, let's see. Where were we? So yeah. So yeah. Elida's left behind. Arma says Elaine's 
uh, leaving, you know, create this rift. Um, Abed says that she will not let, you know, Lady asks if she's going to go back to her mob, mob and, and everyone's like, no, you're too powerful for that. Like, I'm not letting you go anywhere until you're ice and die. Like, you're going to be trained until you have the shawl and the ring. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think that's just, it, like, selfish of the Amberlin of wanting to keep Elaine there. I, I think Elaine is past that point of no return. If, if she right. doesn't leave almost for her own safety, she needs to have her ability to channel removed from her, right? Like, I don't know. Well, and I imagine the power that uh, the tower can have if they actually have a full Aes Sedai as a queen one day. I mean, that's huge, right? Well, so yeah, that, she's not going to throw that away either, that connection. there, yeah. Yeah. And it comes to the end of the chapter where Elaine gets dismissed and Gwen and Nynaeve are asked to stay behind. Dun, dun, dun. More space. <laughs> and that ends our chapter. So, any final thoughts on this chapter? The next two chapters are shorter, although the last one has a lot of stuff in it. So, any, It's, it's um, funny, in my notes, the last chapter, to me, has the most interesting stuff, but I have no notes because it's mostly just action. Yeah, exactly. yeah, we run into that a lot. Yeah, nope. uh, I will say so, you, know, you guys can critique me later. Uh, I didn't know I was back and forth between inserting um, my little spiel from the Holy Grail where I did it, or doing it at the beginning of Chapter 14 and just making it a you know after <laughs> Elaine left. But I still don't know. It was I, perfect I, as I, is. It's perfect. It was good. It was okay. good where it was. Yeah, I know Elaine wanted to be in the room when it happened. So. Yeah, I, sh- I should have yeah. turned on the spankies for sure. All right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, moving on to chapter 14, The Bite of the Thorns. And the icon is a new one. It's like two faces, like one's black and one's white. And yeah, I don't know if you guys thought about this weird two sides of every toy. Okay. Is that the first time we see that one? It's brand yeah, new. It's the first time. Yeah, it's oh. the first time. Cool. It gets used, it gets a bunch of times throughout the books, but it's the first time that this symbol is used. All right, got nothing. Uh, nothing. All right, so we're gonna so keep it, going. It does remind okay, me though. Have, have y'all seen the meme where it's um, the animated Wolverine and it says Wolverine's uh, face is just two Batman's kissing each other? Kissing? Yes, <laughs> it, made me, yeah. it made me think of that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So uh, if you're looking at like Aja, where it can be two sides of the same coin. Or- 
There's so many different thoughts to that. Yeah. Yeah. So just to go, like, don't look, I mean, like you can read into icons a lot. Uh, they do mean things, but just to kind of go through this icon in the beginning, the first few books, it does signify black Aja, but then towards the end, it doesn't at all. Yeah. So yeah. I think they start using a filler. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I think it it's more like features like masculine chin, but then, feminine looking shoulders so i was like yeah you want to go yeah, there me, with it to me it's more like just dark friends in general right it's like yeah. you got your black aja and your whatever else <laughs> yeah okay. cool so uh the armlands walks to a window and kind of just like spicolies it um stares out the window and and um and just doesn't say anything um <laughs> for minutes <laughs> awkward <laughs> yeah spicoli just stared out the window <laughs> <laughs> If you guys have ever seen uh, Fast Times at Richmond High, you get the reference. If you haven't, go check it out. It's a great 80s work. Uh, so, <laughs> doing right now, go watch it. Yeah, just stop <laughs> listening to us. We're not, really, we're, we're not any better than uh, Fast Times at Richmond High. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so it's one of those like days confused type movies. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see. She finally, she finally does talk and um, – it starts talking about how just keeping everything a secret. Uh, she's going back around like, who can I trust? Who can I trust? There's dark friends everywhere. You know, Swan's so like kind of going through this whole entire, kind of talking to herself, but Nynaeve and Egwene are still there. But kind of this awkward moment. <laughs> I think yeah. it's kind of indicative, though, of her plan for them. They're about to become her, like, left-hand women, like her henchmen. So they have to kind of know her inner monologue to understand the level of crazy they're about to get into. So I think she's also battling with the fact that she's losing a grip on on her seat. Like all of a sudden she's had an upheaval and an outright rebellion of actual Black Aja. She has lost numerous people, which probably hasn't happened in thousands of years. And she's, has a lot of their treasures stolen from right under her nose. Like I would be in panic mode too. And then I have to entrust this huge task to these two simpleton country bumpkins that have so much power that they don't know what to do with it quite literally. (laughs) And this is what I have to work with. You might say that silver pike are circling. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. but I, so I was going to ask you guys what do you think about Swan's fish metaphors you know what I going to that too I think she can also feels like she can put so much trust in them because she came from such a simple upbringing too right like she knows that they understand the references well enough because they are simple folk and though they come from a, a farming village they understand you know average talk and she feels very comfortable, comfortable enough to where she goes back to her roots. And yeah, that's she interesting. can speak in that metaphor and she doesn't she can she kinda of let her guard down verbally. You I, know, it, it made me realize, you know, like uh I wonder if Swan also kind of re- recognizes that dark friends maybe are less likely to come from a pa- place of humble beginnings. Maybe there's more to people I don't, I don't know, there's Pater. That's like, true. You got paid her. Doing anything with his life? And, well, no, but she don't know where Peter came from. Friend. He might have been the prodigal son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he just don't, you don't know. even know. 
Yeah, I guess I take it back. Never mind. That's that's not really. I mean, there are plenty of dark friends, I guess, that are coming from humble beginnings. Yeah, but I, but I do wonder if her sort of poor upbringing, um, she can relate to them, and she's kind of like, yeah, I think sure. I'd be able to smell if you're a dark friend or something. Yeah, I might be yeah. giving the Amerlin too much credit here, but I read this a little bit different. <laughs> Um, I thought I thought all of this was intentional. I thought this was a technique that she was using. This is good cop, bad cop, but she was the bad cop and is now the good cop. And she's allowed the transition of, um, what's her name, leaving the room mm-hmm. and the opportunity to, to uh, you know, connect with these girls a little bit more and get the girls to connect her, even like the fishing metaphor, all that jazz was to show Nynaeve and Elaine that they can trust her because she's like, oh, I'm just like you, and da-da-da-da-da. So hmm. I, I didn't see it as the Amberlynn rambling and exposing a little bit of this chaos that she's experienced inside of her head. I, I just, I don't know, my first instinct was reading it was, wow, she is very crafty at getting these girls to do her bidding. See, I thought I saw a little bit of desperation. I mean, we saw her do this again when she was alone with Moraine. Whenever she feels a certain level of comfort or that the people around her have just as much to lose, she can let loose a little bit because she knows any slip of the word about where these girls were and how they got back and what they know about what's going on to get them killed by the others. Yeah. So they're in just as bad of a position as she's in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I also think who knows what levels she'll go to to manipulate people. Like, she's definitely a master at manipulation. So is this sincere or is this just more manipulation? I think think she could have got her point across and delivered all of this information without ever letting her guard down at all. So if she she lets her guard down a little bit and lets these girls see her kind of – struggling through this who to trust yada 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 thing like i I can't help but think that it's intentional and yeah and the only audience that's there is my neve and egwene so he's doing she's doing it for their sake to get them to trust her a little more right interesting and and i i realized too nynaeve is hard to convince and Mm -hmm. she pretty much totally goes for it and she totally like, goes into mission mode at the end of this. So maybe this was the right tactic for Swan to kind of humble herself in front of them a little bit to give Nynaeve the, you know, Nynaeve has these walls that you kind of have to get over. So maybe yeah. that was uh, intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, one thing also, you know, during this whole interaction I do love is Equate's internal monologue where she's like wondering how much, the Arlen seat knows and she starts thinking like, does she know that Rand's the dragon reborn? Does she know that two Aes Sedai are helping him? And like, and of course we as the reader know, yes, yes. She knows all of it. Does she know that I know that she knows that I she know? Knows. Because yes. if she knew that, then this story would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, and we've we've complained about the lack of communication before, but at least now the the barriers in trust it, it makes more sense that yeah. they they can't they can't just have an open conversation about this. There's true le- legit reasons for e- each of them to try and hide what they know because they're they're protecting somebody. There's black Aja out there. There's all sorts of craziness going on. 
before we yeah. run into situations where it's like, dude, parent, just speak to your friend Rand and tell him what's going on. What the hell? Yeah. And it made oh, yeah. sense that they wouldn't. Uh, but this I, makes sense. I, I saw a meme the other day, and it was like, uh, it was a picture of like a giant book. It said The Wheel of Time, and then it had like a tiny, uh, thin book next to it. It was like, the wheel of time, if normal conversation was used, Sorry, normal, right. normal, normal, yeah, normal we, communication, communication, normal communication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to constantly remind myself these these people are maybe like twenty years old, but because of their upbringing and everything, they're kind of like fourteen. Their maturity level is not super high, you know. Right. It helps me uh, justify their yeah. actions sometimes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so. Um, at this point, you know, they kind of, uh, uh, the island does land a plan saying, hey, you two are going to hunt the Black Asha. Um, you know, anybody you guys suspect, and really not, he's like, Moraine, Moraine's bad. <laughs> I love that. I was going to ask you guys, so Swan mentions three people. She mentions Leanne or Liana or Liane, as they're saying it's going to be in the show, uh, Varen and Moraine. Do you think any of them are not trustworthy? Of those three, have you not listened to this podcast? <laughs> I, I haven't. I haven't listened to the whole thing. No. I think. I think they've. I think they've suggested all three of those are black guys at some point. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I've, I've defended all of them. Moraine specifically, I have defended and loved. And then in the same episode, she'll say one thing, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" Like she's, you know, and I've, I've gone back and forth for sure. Nice. I'm, I, I think it'd be a waste if, out of all of these books, the Ermelin and Moraine just stay on the same page with everything and are best buddies the whole way. There's, there's going to be yeah. something that breaks there. Or one of the two is going to be willing to go further than the other one is. Something to that effect. I don't know that we're anywhere near that now, but, but I, I think there will be some tensions there. I think the yeah. wild card is actually Varen. Um, because remember, mm. she, she stumbled on this. And I had to remind myself when the Amberlin was going back and forth about who to trust. I guess for a little while I was thinking, well, since Varen kind of found it out, and revealed a little bit of what she knew or what she thought she knew. Then all of a sudden she's on the inside of the circle and she knows everything. But she doesn't know everything. She knows a little bit. And the, and maybe, okay, so now we know that there's Black Aja. And like what better way to get on the inside of what's going on with your enemy than to play this bumbling kind of book nerd. Oh, I just happened to piece it together, blah, blah, blah. Let me go along for the ride. Um, so at this point, if I was going to pick any one of them, maybe, maybe Baron, I guess if we put percentages on it, you know, we're, we're in the 80% range. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> interesting, interesting, profound. I want to say interesting over and over again. Fascinating. Yeah. Profound. Well, I mean, that'd be um, so, a good strategy. Seriously, if you were trying to get in the in circle, like that, yeah, yeah. she's going yeah. out the right way. I remember a, a theory long ago when we were all discussing this stuff years ago that there was something called the purple Aja. I'll leave it at that. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> they're so uh, black that they're purple. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, so as soon as Nynaeve says that Moraine um, cannot be trusted, that's when um, the Amulet Seat scolds, scolds Nynaeve for even suggesting that. Um, and uh, at that point, that's when they reveal that they're the only ones that can be trusted and that they'll be hunting the Black Asha. And of course, at first, they don't even believe Barba. They're like, <laughs> us? Why? No. <laughs> we're, we're only novices and accepted. Like, can't hunt full, full sisters. This is a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, Swan acknowledges that. She's like, this this sucks. I'd send a hundred people like you if I could, but you're the only people I have. This is what we got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just like, you know, now you're going to feel the real bite uh, of that rose's thorn. Mm-hmm. You kind of get the understanding of that. Like, yeah, you've been given all this awesomeness, and now here's the shit that you really have to deal with. We're going to put you yeah. into a, really a, this a storm, and you got to figure your way out of it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm also surprised at this point um, that Nynaeve doesn't have a raging migraine from how hard she's been tugging on her braid for, like, these last couple of chapters. <laughs> Is it just me, or is it like I, I her afraid every, every 15 seconds? Yeah. Uh, I wonder how often tug that braid. That was one of the yeah. questions that was asked to Rafe, I think, very early on, is will there be brave tugging? Um, and Rafe, I think he answered it, saying that yes, but not nearly as much as there is in the books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I have a hard just, time visualizing that as being very interesting in reality, but... Yeah, uh, and the books it makes it like kind of comical that she's tugging a braid, but the made right. TV show like every five seconds she's tugging a braid. Like they can kind of like what what's what is this going on? Like this is weird. <laughs> hey, maybe uh, this is super early, but maybe we could start some sort of competition, kind of like guess how many marbles are in the jar. Like let's oh. somewhere out there in the Wheel of Time community, put it out there where people can guess how many times on the show from the very first episode until the final episode. How many times does Nynaeve tug at her braid? Ooh, I mean, right. Or be, sniff. Yeah. That could be <laughs> like a hundred. Or smooth skirts. Smooth the skirts. <laughs> I, I say there's going to be 342 braid tugs. Braid tugs? That's a lot of braid tugs in one season, man. One season or <laughs> the whole show? I, oh, I the think whole show. Oh, everything, everything. Whole I, show. Oh, the whole show. Okay. I bet they show her doing it in the first scene they introduce her. Yeah, yeah, got to. Yeah, I think I think too many diehard fans would be upset if there isn't a great touch right off the bat. like you two are to be my hounds hunting the Black Aja. No so one will believe it of you. Not a pair of half trained accepted. I humiliated publicly. <laughs> That raised yeah. a flag, big flag. Who else was a hound? Mm-hmm. Good old Padden Fane, and he did not like it, and that did not end well for him. Oh. good, good comparison. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I wonder how far down that rabbit hole was this just a one time we're going to use hounds, or is there going to be some sort of similarity? In I, I don't know. Yeah, and and the queen does start protesting about how. You know, how am I going to have time to do this? You know, I have my studies, and then you're punishing me, and I have to go screw up pots, and now you're going to hunt the Black Aja, too? And Anna Harmon's is like, well, you need to find time. So, <laughs> like, it sounds like, it is, it, I had a little note here, this is Chris's life, right? 
doing chores and has to do a podcast on top of it. Like it's just, yeah. What? <laughs> right. That's the benefit of being at the top. The manager can just say, I don't, I don't care how you do it. Just do it. She's not getting any yeah. empathy here. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'd rather have a bear with the switch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Need those TPS uh, reports by Friday. Yeah. Did, yeah. did you get that? Exactly. <laughs> I need him now. And, and then they asked why not a link too. And then he's a good response, you know, like says, Well, you know, I would have asked her about Marguerite first. Okay. Um, maybe once we get that settled out, Elaine will join you down the road. Um, but right now, just you two. Immediately Night and Eve steps in and goes, I'll just do it alone. I don't you know, no need risking Egwene's life for this. She's just a girl, and of course Egwene gets pissed about it and gets all interaction. <laughs> um yeah, I'm a woman too, and yeah, so don't about it. <laughs> I don't remember when this is mentioned. Maybe it's coming up, but I think it happened already. There's a very small mention of her talking about how I said I raised. She says something about having to keep calm under extreme pressure. Correct. I just wanted yeah. I wanted to point that out because I didn't realize this was talked about this early in the series. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the honest seat said that that not even was powerful enough to become full sister, but. She couldn't take the test because she can't control her. Right. Okay. Yeah, that was a yeah. smile that Emily leaned back in her chair. So you can keep your temper when you want to. I That's had right. to know. I wish I could have found a way to raise you to the Shaw daughter. Baron says you were already as strong as any woman in the tower. It really does come down to their raw strength and, and natural inclination towards being able to channel. And it, it's indicative of how important the level of control is to the Aes Sedai because of the amounts of manipulations that they have to actually use. Um, they have to be able to hone in on their entirety of their emotions so that they don't give away when they're giving their half-truths. And then they have to be able to keep a level head that way they can determine when they're being lied to or when they're being misled or misdirected even within their own tower. I mean, they said the tower is one of the least safe places that another Aes Sedai could be. Yeah. Hmm. If you think about an Aes Sedai and their power and the level of control that they have outside of the White Tower, they're second to none away from their own sisters. But when they're in the collective, they are, you know, average. Yeah. So these are above average. They're not trained enough. So... Well, and another thing, thinking about battle or fighting or whatever, I mean, we've seen Moraine in a few situations where everyone's panicking and she's just totally calm and collected while she, you know, nukes a bunch of Trollocs or whatever. So clearly that's also a part of it, right? Just needing to be able to use the one power under extreme pressure is important. Sure. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So after this whole entire protest scene between Nynaeve and Egwene, where Nynaeve says she'll do herself, finally... I guess they both agree that they're both going to hunt together. And Swan then chooses Varen to be the one that's going to give them all the details and help them out. So if anybody's going to be it, I guess Varen's the one with the trust. So go to Varen, get details. Um, they're to observe and report, not to try to take down any of the Black Aja, obviously, and be super stealthy about it. Um, so before, before Swan opens the box... Uh, anything else we want to talk about this interaction? 
What's in the box? What's in the box? box? What's in the box? Oh, God. What's in the box? (laughs) Uh, One other tiny little thing she does. I I think we've already hit on this, but she does reiterate. You're definitely as strong as Leandrin, just untrained. So, again, she's reminding them, yes, but no. (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yep. lift you up, I put you down. I pick you up, yep. I put you down. Yep. So then she opens a little box on her table and starts going through a bunch of letters and pulls out two of them and hands the letters to them. And the letter is very, very simple, but very profound and very, um, I guess, a blank, you know, blank check. Um, yeah. That's very, very much uh, do whatever the hell you want because it says, whoever, the, what is it, the bear of this note? Um, has authority to do whatever they want, pretty much. In, yeah. in my name. In my name. And, and keep quiet, right? If you see this, keep okay. quiet, too. Yeah. This is at the bottom of the white flame of Tarvalon. What the bearer does is done at my order and by my authority. Obey and keep silent at my command. Watch for the uh, seals, flame of Tarvalon. I, I want to know how people verify like that this is actually from the Armorlin. I guess it has her seal on it, is that right? It, yeah, does. That's a seal it has the white flame of Tarvalon, which I'm sure that it's probably got some magical feel or something to it. Who the hell knows? Yeah. That's what I would yeah. do if I had magic. That's always cracked <laughs> me up. You watch like stuff from, you know, medieval times and even before that where they had wax seals and, you know, they'd question something, a letter that traveled thousands of miles. They're like, but sir, it has the seal with the <laughs> right. family of da da And I'm like, yeah, because somebody trying to fool you could not forge that. Right. Forge I've wondered that. about that, too. Yeah. I mean, wars have been won and lost with letters passed like this, and they just put so much faith in it. <laughs> right. But on the other hand, I'll oh, go ahead. I was saying, by the way, I actually I actually do have letter wax and a seal with a W mm-hmm. on it. Um, so... Um, I, you know, I thought about whenever I, I mail stuff out just to start like putting the W on, like for the Will Reads, because it's a W. My last name starts with the W, so just start using my W seal on. <laughs> so doing, doing, doing wax, my, my wax sealed letters. It's a pain in the ass, trust me. It's not really worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find a way to took, uh, take uh, Tree's artwork, the one where she did of me and the choices, uh-huh. and I'm going to put that into like a big stamp. That's how I'm going to. Nice. I'm going to send my correspondence now. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I even have letterhead too. You know, I, I'm, I'm, super, I'm super geek. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little mad you haven't like sent me private notes with your letterhead and a wax seal. Like, my wife bought all this stuff for me thinking I'm actually going to write people correspondences. I'm like, it's been in the closet for years. I've never been touched. Like, <laughs> I got letterhead, wax seals, like all this really nice stuff. And like, I'm not gonna write little notes. Like, oh man, well, bust it out! Like I now, I, I, I in the next yeah. week, I want to go to my mailbox and open a letter, crack the wax seal, unfold this like really thick crisp paper with, you know, the wit letter head on it, and it, yeah. I, it needs to say something like, "Hey man, let's get a beer on Thursday." And <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of it saying at the end of that, "And stay silent." Yeah, I just want to end. I want to end all my company emails with that. Keep silent. Obey and make silent. Make her the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, you have to have ten titles of the Mother of Dragons. Wait, what? 
Watcher of the Seals again. Where are they? Shrugged <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shoulders. Perfect. So yeah, so what's, what do you think about this letter? <laughs> oh, and then Nynaeve says, I could even make a warder dance, and they all think that's really funny because she has a certain warder in mind, right? Oh, that's what I was saying. In my mind, the first thing that came to my mind was she could make Land marry her. <laughs> oh. That's exactly it. what I would do. I'd be like, Lance, you hot piece of man. You. Yeah. Here's a letter. Read it. Put that ring on my finger. <laughs> I mean, he kind of already gave her the ring, right? Yeah, but he didn't give. He gave her a promise. He didn't give her his word. You know, he learned enough from Moraine. Keep her on the hook, but I won't reel her in. He's playing her. He really is. Dirty dog. Yeah. I will say, like, as I started to read this, I was like, oh, snap. And then kind of like naive, like, man, they can do anything. Um, and I know they, it, the Amberlynn answered this really quickly. But in my mind, I'm thinking, but really, you can't? Like, how do you even know who to trust to show that to? I mean, right. if, if you're suspecting all this right. shenanigans and there's one or more, maybe Black Oz is still around. Uh, and you know yeah. now we're thinking, okay, maybe the mistress of novices, maybe Baron, maybe they are dark friend, Black Asha, whatever. Like you can show that letter to you without getting your head chopped off. It's yeah. true. And Swan does say that too. You know, be yeah. careful. This yeah. this letter doesn't mean anything to dark flight. Dark friends are white cloaks, and both of them probably kill you for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then she dismisses them out of the room, and that's the end of this chapter. Like, okay, guys, go back. They, well, they do ask, is Matt going to get healed? And she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. What do you guys think that. about that, Alan? What do you think? Are they going to heal Matt? Well, I think <laughs> – I, I know. I have an opinion. <laughs> so, so what do you think? <laughs> I, I, think uh, I think uh, um, we'll talk about it. Well, and another thing, you know, Nynaeve tries to press the issue. She's like, but really, we like, what's the deal with Matt? And she says, uh, I'll send word to you now off with you children. She's back to calling them children. You know, mm -hmm. she's kind of like, don't forget your place again. Yeah. Get out of my sight. You know? from the... mm -hmm. oh. I did a couple episodes ago, I threw out uh, a prediction that you know, for Matt's sake, the girls will get frustrated on the lack of action and take it upon themselves to try and heal him. And being that we've seen no real traction yet with Amberlynn or trying to do anything with Matt, I wouldn't be surprised still if, if the girls don't attempt it, if there isn't some action taken some, sometime soon. Anything else you missed in this chapter before we move on? Mm -mm. All right. So... Let's go on, move right on to chapter 15. The Gray Man. Uh, same icon, the two faces again. Um, so when we talked about the Gray Man, you guys uh, last time thought that was going to be Tom's coming back. It's about Tom. It's not about Tom at all. But uh, it's, it's about the Gray Man. I didn't know, I didn't know that wasn't Tom, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tom. We haven't talked about Tom in a minute. After he killed some people, like he just disappeared. Uh, Spirit. And he had nothing to do with him, so he just kind of did his own thing. Um, he might be back, maybe. <laughs> at, least he's alive. at least he's alive, right? <laughs> he's coming back in a white coat, kind of stallion. 
Yeah, I'm excited to grab my Gandalf. Yes. Yeah. At first, I thought you meant as a white cloak, and I was like, "Oh, that's weird." Nope, white cloak. He's gonna come in and sweep Moraine off her feet and carry her away. Tom the White. I said I, so it wouldn't be a huge, huge twist. <laughs> True. You know, it's funny. This chapter by far is probably the most interesting of the three, and I don't have any notes except why does the Black Aja want the girls out of the picture? That's my only. Question. Like so, they yeah. obviously are trying very hard. I mean, they tried in the second book. Well, we that talked didn't about work crippling out. the dragon, right? And we realized that in the the multiverse, as Rand went through his numerous lives, in every one of those lives, one person was prominent and had a huge impact on him. And that was Gwen. Oh yeah. You get rid of Egwene, you get rid of the anchor that he has to his sanity to some extent. Like and as rem- he was, oh, sorry, go go ahead. I was saying in the last battle, like as he was really warring, his thoughts ended up kind of going back to Egwene, which kind of anchored him back into reality. So, and if we well, look at Luz Theron, I mean, his madness—he killed the one he loved. The one he loved was killed, and that kind of tipped him over the edge and caused him to split the world. So, good point. And there is also at the end of the second book, you remember when Rand Rand feels like um, threads or people or something sort of like pulling him or tugging at him. For whatever reason, those people seem to be important to him, like they're connected in some deep way. Yeah. Plus the thrills that the 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 wheel weaves. Just as much right. as he pulls them, they're pulling on him. So, I guess my question yeah. is, how would the Black Aja know that? Like, is the Black Aja like, oh, we know these people are important to the dragon; they're linked, or is it more just like these are powerful people who know the dragon, and we need to just eliminate them so they're well, not a problem? I think it's their connection with like the Forbidden Ones and the connection with Pialzalan. And he's probably behind the scenes manipulating them through somebody. I don't know who that somebody is yet. So we've we've talked about um, how there's some variation of like multiverses that exist. You get a glimpse of that when they travel through the stone portal. Um, Chris, you and I were speculating about how the Forsaken or maybe Landfear. Um, Celine, if you will, remember she was in one of these other worlds. So, like, maybe they do. Maybe somebody like Celine uh, or uh, Lanfear, whatever we're calling her now, actually has traveled to or seen through dreams or through physically being there, like these other possible realities. And they also know, like, that's part of their endgame also. They've studied all these different variations of the way things could have been. And they also know that Wayne is wildly important. Uh, and I bring up Lamphere because I think she, of all the people, has the biggest motivation to try and off a Gwen. She's wanting to be with Rand or the dragon and thinks that they're supposed to be together and reign in power and blah 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 blah. Um and then she has the ability somehow to see all these different variations of the way things could have been and every single time she's getting effed over and every single time there's this Gwen person, well now in the end game she's probably gonna try and off a Gwen. Okay. 
I mean, interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. fascinating. Uh, yeah. Cool. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, right. good stuff. Yeah. I pretend so, to let's... understand women sometimes, but I do know let's... that I am wrong like 99.9% of the time. So yeah. if this, if this was one, I'm going to be pissed that I got it right when analyzing a fictional series. Like, I really need it to be right in the real world because I'm swinging and missing there. Well, I was strike out. We all are. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's get into actually what happens in this chapter so we can talk about some of this action. Because I do want to talk about that too. So um, two girls are heading back to the room. Um, the tower is mostly empty. Uh, they're discussing their, their kind of their plans and how they're going to hunt the Black Aja, and uh, you know, chatting about um, you know they're obeying, obeying the O's and using the power and all the good stuff. And um, yeah, so let's let's start with this little walk back. The empty corridors with the occasional serving woman. You would think these people would realize that there was something amiss at some point in time, but I guess not because there's such huge hallways and so few people. And yeah. you know that Nynaeve was probably deep in thought because Egwene was like, she was grateful for their presence. So Nynaeve was probably a little bit cold here trying to think through. Yeah. Like she, they said, she was walking purposely, tugging at her braid. Duh, definitely. Yeah. So then I also say it's just very interesting with the idea that there could still be Black Aja in their midst. And there's so few, few people here. There's just got to be such a huge level of distrust. Right. Yeah, and and you know, as they're walking back, um, uh, uh, Nynaeve doesn't turn off to go to the accepted quarter. She keeps on going to the house quarter because obviously she wants to talk to all of them. Um, you know, um, she has a she's she's formulated a plan. She doesn't want to talk out in the hallway. I mean, why would you want to talk in the hallway? Anybody could, even though it's sparsely populated, it probably could be. Yeah, there could be ears somewhere, um, you know, that kind of thing. So, that, you know, they are having a kind of an open conversation. At the same time, I think there's more than he wants to say. I get, you get the feeling of that. Um, and uh, they get they check in Elaine's room first. Elaine's not there. Um, and then as they're walking towards Egwene's room, Egwene goes and grabs Nynaeve to ask something. And then things start to happen. Things. happen really fast, too. It happens really fast, yes. And action. And yeah. action. Yeah. This is one of the things I love about Robert Jordan's writing. It, it, kind of like hidden in the middle of a paragraph, there's like a sudden moment of action that happens that you almost skip over before you realize it happened. And oh, yeah, he never yeah. uses the word suddenly or anything like that, but it happens so suddenly. I almost always find myself going back like, oh, did that just happen? You know, it's great. Yeah, sometimes you got to reread a couple paragraphs and be like, wait, did I just did I just read that? We're well, yeah, we're kind of skipping over like the obvious. We have um, Nynaeve kind of switching her train of thought about um, good grief. I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. But you sound like Shirium. You have ne- you never have before. You have pushed every limit they've put on you. Why would you accept limits now when we might have to ignore them to stay alive? Mm-hmm. This is what good is it if it ends in being put out of the tower, stilled or not? What good then? So Nynaeve is really fighting with the idea of losing her grip on the power or her connection to the source. 
Mm-hmm. And she realizes that there's some real truth to what the Emerald Seat has been doing and how far she'll go to protect her secret and how far she'll go to protecting her sisters and her, you know, what she's been pushed to do as an Emerald Seat. I mean, she gave them a letter that essentially allows them to get out of jail for free. So I think mm-hmm. Nynaeve is really deep in thought about the fact that there's some real stuff going down here that's outside of what they've been going through already. So. Sure. Yeah. Well, this is also kind of a subtle thing where Egwene and Nynaeve sort of see their, their roles differently, how, how they're, you know, Egwene wants so badly to become Aes Sedai. She's saying, I'm willing to even follow the three oaths. But Nynaeve's like, yeah, we may not be able to do that. We, we may need to defend ourselves. We may need to use the power as a weapon, you know, we may need to lie. And so I like that they have these sort of different ideologies. And then Nynaeve sort of is talking about how how else is she going? She has to learn to use the power properly enough to, and then she sort of trails off. Like, what is it she's planning? <laughs> I can see Nynaeve leaving. I can see her getting to the point to where she can control the power and saying, I don't want to be Aes Sedai anymore. Yeah. yeah. And to me, Nynaeve's learning to control the power is a means to an end. She has a plan. But with Egwene, Egwene's kind of a chameleon character to me, which is one of the reasons I like her so much. She's, of all the Emmonsfield characters, she's the least um, bigoted, I guess you could say. She's very accepting of every culture she comes into. She wants to become a part of it. She's that way with the Tinkers. She's that way with the Aes Sedai. Um, and uh, she doesn't want to be a Shanchan, but you know she's sort of forced into that. But that's one of the things I like about Egwene's character. She always wants to fit in wherever she is. But for Nynaeve, that's, she doesn't necessarily want to be Aes Sedai. She just wants something. <laughs> and I said the wrong name. I think actually Egwene, I could see Egwene leaving, not Nynaeve. I can see Nynaeve pushing herself to the point to where she wants to become Marilyn's seat. That way she has control over this group because she <laughs> is the one seeking control. She's been in control before. She's used to that position. She knows the decisions that are being made, so she's accepting of the rules only when it comes down from the highest of authority, because she realizes the position that authority is in. That's where we have Egwene, who no longer wants to be a captive, no longer wants to be held in by or bound to rules and regulations set by other people. I can see her becoming a wild card and kind of becoming that rogue mage who kind of as Moraine-like without the same restrictions. I mean, imagine somebody as powerful as they are getting all of the training that they can and then setting out into the world on her own. She could become a queen. She could take over some kingdom somewhere or go and be by Rand's side and help him to, you know, be the the yin to his yang and really push the boundaries. Oh, and maybe the Amarlin recognizes that, and that's why she's trying to tie these strings to them to keep some control over them. Sure, I, I, I hinted at this last episode too, but I, I still think it's Nynaeve, maybe both, but but Nynaeve more than Egwene that is likely to learn as much as she can from the White Tower. Uh, but I don't think I don't think it's going to take very long for Nynaeve to realize she's already more capable than everyone there. There's not much else she can learn. And I do not see Nynaeve uh, as 
someone who would ever be willing to take those oaths and be bound by them. But she took the oath of the wisdom already. No, I, I see that's... her being the greater purpose of being an Aes Sedai and being, you know, pushing towards becoming the next Amarlin. Because then she could have yeah, all the Amer- that. The Amarlin is weak. Power. The Amarlin that is bound by those three oaths is weak. And I think that I when you learn how to manipulate. Yeah, but if you don't have to manipulate, if you're powerful mm-hmm. enough, you could just exercise power and you don't need to manipulate. But mm-hmm. there's greater power in numbers. Do, do you remember <laughs> in. Oh, never mind. Nope, nope, that hasn't happened yet. I'll shut Good my cat. mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas got one. <laughs> that was close. That was close. We could have just rambled a little bit further. We, we would have got like boom. We would have had it. Let's keep going. But no, seriously, yeah. I, like I do believe. I mean, look at her now. She's drawing in um, Egwene, and she's getting Elaine just so she can have a couple people under her. Like all of a sudden, she's become like in charge of tracking down and. Like getting the the black eyes uh, to die. Mm-hmm. Like she yeah. all of a sudden has taken this role of authority when she has no role of authority. She wants that. Yeah. She craves it. She has to have that. And what better way than to position herself as an eyes to die? Sure. Know, just if if we look at the similarities between uh, Balzi and Pat Fane, Pat Fane became the Hound. He had a pretty important role and. That kind of backfired on Ballsy, didn't it? I mean, Pat and Fane's kind of off on his own, kicking ass and taking names in a very chaotically evil fashion. Yeah. You know, she uses the word hound, but hounds imply that they're, like, hounds are driven. Like, they're set and then they're driven. I don't see the Emily seat necessarily driving them, but rather letting them sniff out. And what's the word I want to use? It's more like I don't like this the, the reference of calling them the hound. I think it implies that she's going to drive them into the ground yeah. until they found all the black Aja. Like more like a, a guard dog. See, I think of it as yeah. the leash. She's just trying to remind them, you're on a leash. You're just sniffing things out. That's all you're doing for me. You know, I think it's... But you're right. It, it's easy to make comparisons to... Uh, yeah, uh, I just jumped out my head. Obviously, I'm yeah. filling in massive gaps with just wild imagination. Here. It's so fun to hear you guys speculate. I, I have to keep holding my tongue. It's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I mean, so also, what you're hunting? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna jump in here real quick because, like, I, I think about I, I have cousins that raise hunting dogs, and you get like your dogs that are hunting squirrel and coon, and they're going out distance. They're running them back in, boom, shoot, kill. And then you've got your hounds that you run for miles because they're chasing deer. And those yeah. hounds are the ones that sometimes don't make it back. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah. So, yeah, so crossbow bolt, bow, bolt <laughs> crossbow bolt, flashes right past them. Nick's uh, going in the ear. Just, just a small scratch. Just a scratch. Um, <laughs> it's, because she, it's because she's like, it would have gone straight through her head, right? But she, luckily, she yeah. she like stops questions Nynaeve. something Nynaeve says or something. She like stops dead, like what? Right. And you know that's um to me. I, I've always thought in this moment, like is Egwene Taviran because yeah, sure feels like it. 
Yeah. Remember, Rand is so Tavirian. His Tavirianness extends out to other people <laughs> and can extend distances. This yeah. could still just be Rand's Tavirianness. Sure. True. <laughs> I, to, be, to be honest, I wouldn't mind if in the TV show they made a little bit of adjustment there and didn't just have three male Tavirian, you know? I yeah, like yeah. the idea of Gwen or Nynaeve or one of the other girls being a Tavirian. And, and to me, it works without really messing with any of the rest sure. of the story. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people speculate that, that Robert Jordan, that, I mean, that, that Gwen's written as a Tavirian character. Right. But, well, or suggested very soon. Because <laughs> it seems like this. Like, yeah. Right. A black water streaked in front of her face, clanging against the wall. And in the next breath, Nynaeve was bearing her to the galley floor behind the railing. It happened so fast, I got confused as to, like, what actually happened. I do love the way he wrote this because it was so – it all made sense when you read it, like, bit by bit. But when you try to throw it all together, it created a sense of urgency and chaos for me as a reader. Yeah, sure. for sure. And I think sure. that's that's the emotion that they're going for, that the Robert Jordan's going for. I'm, um, I'm, to be honest with you, with all the reading that I've done, I've never had this feeling of just like straight up confusion and understanding at the same time ever before in any book I've ever read. Yeah. So he really was, or it was, is like the books yeah. live on that's a nice. genius in his writing because I did feel lost until the explanation started to come. I was like, what? What just happened? Why am I reading this? <laughs> yeah. So, and I immediately embraces the power. Like Wayne can sense that in her, um, and she's kind of looking around the room, hunting for whoever it was. And finally, she sees the person um, and uses the power, and, and decides, yeah, you know, turns to Wayne and says, "Okay, you can get up now." And <laughs> I love this. I love that they're both on edge. They're running through the tower now, feeling like everyone is watching them. There are black Aja around every corner. And because of this sort of like on edge adrenaline rush that they're going through, Nynaeve responds so quickly. And, you know, she, she manages to like capture whoever this was in air almost right. instantaneously, you know. Right. Mid, mid run. Yeah, right. Uh, and and yeah. Egwene, in her mind, Egwene's like, I'm going to blow you away. Like if another couple <laughs> seconds, if Egwene would have unleashed. She might have blown out like a chunk Fire. of the tower just to try to take him out, you know, because that's what she knows right now. Before right, she right. got to the Shan Chan, she was juggling balls with Elaine, like that was her talent. <laughs> that's all she can do is juggle balls, you know. And then she goes with the Shan Chan, and she what? Crack lightning, fling earth at people, all sorts of crazy ass shit. So right. her just skill straight set up weapon. Quite, yeah, right. She she didn't quite have the same skill set as Nynaeve. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they she, finally, could, she yeah. could have juggled his balls. That might have might have that might have actually done the trick. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, so they they get up and they go around the corner and they they see they finally see the man and he's like I said mid stride running, um, and as they get around to the front of him because they come from behind, there's a dagger in his chest and they realize he's already dead. So can you explain uh, this to me? I've always I when I imagine someone being captured by air. I imagine like a snake, uh, like it coiling around them. How how do you get a dagger in there? Was the was the guy stabbed before he was captured in air? That that doesn't sound right. I've always wondered about this little detail. Yeah. <laughs> or can you just yeah. stab through air, even though it's holding the guy up like it's a wall? 
like, like, just... a, like, a, like a one way mirror kind of thing. Like you, you can go one way, you can't <laughs> yeah. go the other. Like, no, like that's a good. So the air is just getting, you know, for staying in the realm of physics here. I know that sounds stupid, considering <laughs> she just trapped somebody with air. But the air, she would have to make the air around him like so completely dense that he couldn't move. In fact, it even holds him up. Right. And for it to be de that dense, it doesn't mean a knife can't move through there, but it would take a tremendous amount of pressure, or it would hmm. take a really long time. It would move slowly to try and get through there. Or perhaps somebody who's able to, in some ways, manipulate objects through time could just slice right through that as if there wasn't this pocket of like really dense right. Or alternatively, the person who stabbed this other person uses the one power. Correct. Then yeah. Maybe they could see the flows and stab through the, the air flows or something. Right. I, I've always wondered about this, but I was going to say too, you know, Swan captures nine even air back in the last book in, in the great hunt yeah. mm -hmm. and nine Eve learned it and she was able to do it just immediately, you know, like yeah. however yeah. many months later, which is pretty cool. Anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> yeah. I can do anything well, better than you. Yeah. What makes it even more strange is not only is he stabbed, but his crossbow is, is gone. So whoever stabbed him also took his crossbow. Like some uh, of this all happened so quickly. Was there yeah. a person just standing right next to this guy? You know, Right. And um, that's why I threw out and, there the time manipulation thing, and mm -hmm. and we haven't seen any evidence of this yet. I don't think, but it's it's almost as if whoever's cleaning up shop there was able to do one of those saved by the bell things, where like snap and everybody freezes, and then they walk around, they clean up the scene, they're like, oh, I can't leave him alive. Let me just shove this dagger here, and then walk out the door, and then look back around the corner and snap and back into full motion. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like imagining that. That's cool. Yeah. Also, 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 this man is average in every way. That's another thing I like. To point out. Just, just average. Uh, <laughs> in every way. Um. So, um. Yeah. So, well, I like the condescending, like <laughs> wind. It's air. Yeah. Sometimes called wind. That's like, don't you get it, you silly girl? Like. Some like just naive's air alone just always <laughs> makes me giggle a little bit on the inside yeah. because yeah. even in a moment where they're like literally almost like inches from death, she's got to kind of throw that jab in there like, "Yep, I'm still better than you." Well, and she's also making fun of the lessons she's received. She, yeah, she's, she's like, she's, "This is basic stuff, Egwene." You know, like right. I, I love you though. Right. And this is another example of what I was kind of bringing up at the beginning was you don't have to go through class to, to they, they give little hints that they're being taught things. And 90s like, this is child's play. You know, I, I like that you get little hints of their lectures without having to sit through them. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I like lectures. Yeah. But I was a kid practicing the spells from Harry Potter. Yeah. Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> it's Levio <Anyway>. saw. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so then at this point, Shuriam enters in. Our good old Dolores Umbridge. Just so sure happens where... to be there. Just a coincidence. Well, and I like that Nynaeve picks up on this. She's like, what are you doing here anyway? Which is totally <laughs> inappropriate for her to be asking an Aes Sedai like that. But still, she caught on. She's like, that's convenient, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure, explains what the in her book like. Hmm, yeah. Suspect. 
<laughs> and Sharon explains what this is, um, what what he is, what this, and this is a gray man, the Solus. So, this has been mentioned now twice in the series. These type of characters. I don't know if you caught the other two times. It's the third time. Oh, really? I was wondering about that. Moraine didn't Moraine bring one up uh, nope. with Ran and Perrin in them. Uh, oh wait, wait, where? No, not with Ran. Uh, I don't know if Ran was there. Was it after Rand already there. left? It was in this yeah. book, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was that was with Uno, Perrin. That's when they're planning what to do with Rand, I think. Yeah, it wasn't it was that after. long ago where we heard about him. Yeah, and they and they said, well, it couldn't have been a great man or the Solus. They can't come they haven't been that far down from the blight or something like that. So that was one incident. And there's right. another one where they talked about the great man too. Yeah, so this uh, is new Shadow Spawn, right? I mean, this is kind of exciting. I will have yeah. it in life or in death. Mm-hmm. Is this the implication that Biazamon's been making since book one? Uh, no, I mean, no. So the, the other the other incident that I was, I was talking about is is during um, uh, Ingtar's final speech. He talks about the man that he led into Falvara. Oh yeah, but he doesn't call him. Right, he just said he doesn't, he doesn't call a gray man. He said he said there is he said there is there the, the man I let in that had the crossbow that tried to shoot Rand. Oh he yeah, said, he, said, he, said he was average. He, he said he was average in every way, kind of like he looked at him, you wouldn't even see him. Like I think that's what the direct quote from Inktar was. It was oh, very good. Um, yeah. Why are they all just average? So they blend in so well. Yeah. So they give they give their souls to become grave men. Uh, but Darko takes their souls, and then I guess they only select people that are completely average. So they, like you said, so they blend in. But at the same time, because they're soulless, like you just don't notice them. Like they just, yeah, that's kind of the impression I've got. It's like they're so they're they're le- oh, what's the word? Their humanity is not there anymore, and so they're literally unnoticeable. That's so kind of you're, much unless good. you're looking directly at them. Like if you're just scanning through, you wouldn't even see them. Well, I mean, that's why just... asses that would be awesome. I mean, so he said, I have your life or in death. Like, you could just turn those that are killed into soulless men, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Use your body as my tank reel or whatever to channel yeah. the power. So, Alan, hey, hey. Yes. If if somebody took their soul, um, who paid the troll toll? Yeah. <laughs> For that boy's soul. That, that voice soul. <laughs> That might be my favorite episode. Yep. Hey, so, funny story about that uh, that uh, um, a uh, episode is that, of course, it's called the Damon Cometh. Is the name of that episode? It's always, it's always, it's always sunny Philadelphia. If you guys have not seen that episode, so when I was when I was sailing in northern Australia, there's an island called Dayman Island. So, so of course, when we're we're sailing, we're getting close to it. We sailed right past it, but every time someone mentioned it, like on the boat, like the whole boat would go, "Whoa, fight through of the night!" Just breaking the song, like so. <laughs> like Dayman. <laughs> I'm wondering, do you guys read the glossary stuff, or do you try to avoid that stuff? I don't even. I don't even get into that. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you, if Gray Man is in the glossary. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, I don't have book for Oh, it is. Can I read it, or do you want me to? I mean, uh, read it first. See if it's too spoiler. If it's not, guess what? 
Yeah, I think I think it's fair. We've pretty much said all this, but I think it's good to um, Gray Man, someone who has voluntarily surrendered his or her soul in order to become an assassin serving the shadow. Gray men are so ordinary in appearance that the eye can slide right past without noticing them. The vast majority of gray men are indeed men, but a small number are women. Ooh. Yeah. There's some ladies out there. So yeah. I think that's important because they, they voluntarily surrender their soul. This yeah. isn't something that is done to them. It's something they choose for whatever reason. Right. And sure, sure it even says, like, you have to be an idiot to actually get this kind of price. Yeah. Like, that's what it's... <laughs> but... Gosh, it's so be fat now to my question. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then, you know, and then Egwene, what does she do? She's like, she's like, oh, I forgot something and runs off. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so yeah, so Gwen runs off, and then we see that the bolt is missing. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, like, how are they, how did they manage that? First off, I don't care how average the men look; they're men in the White Tower, right? That's mm-hmm. how did they get it's, there? Like, are there no wards protecting the White Tower from people entering that aren't supposed to be there? This is the first Grey Man to enter the White Tower since the Trollic Wars. And yes, there are wards set to prevent Shadow Spawn. So that's that's a very, 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 There are still and black eyes there. <laughs> and not only that, the, the, I said I can sense Shadow Spawn, right? So right, how do yeah. they not sense this? Right. Well, that, Maybe that's, that's why Sherryum... It's way more suspect. I think. And then like warders should be able to know when they're... Yeah, is their ability just for Trolloc, or is it for all Shadow Spawn? I, I think it's everything. I think it's yeah. all Shadow Spawn, but that's a good question. I don't know. But we, we have seen before, so in the last book, when the Drakkar attacked Moraine, yeah. the, Drakkar, the Drakkar was warded by something that uh, that prevented them from sensing it. That's right. So, so, Lanfear sets these people in? She might be just so jealous of them that... Mm-hmm. She like shielded them from the wards and allowed them to enter, so she can get so, rid of her. Do you think Lanfear's in the tower? Uh, either no, in the tower or she has control over some people. Perhaps this shadow spawn. You know, I, again, yeah. I'm not. I'm not that theory I threw out earlier about her having uh, some play in this, especially off in Egwene. I'm not saying like oh, it's 100 percent true, but oh, I mean it feels like it could be true. Maybe she's shape shift. Yeah, and if it's the case, she's definitely. Why would she expose herself like that to get in the tower right now? She has ways to manipulate others and use others to do her bidding at this point. So, you know, I wouldn't suspect she's there. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, unless, <laughs> gosh, now we're mixing theories. Unless what Chris was saying earlier about. You know, the 13 that got away, maybe they're vessels for some reincarnation or something of the Forsaken. Well, maybe Lanfear has already taken somebody else's body and is there, and you just don't know it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. 
Jesus, I was not this confused when I read it by myself, and now I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking to you guys, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> uh, you're welcome. You're yeah, welcome. It, it, I mean, a lot of things happen so quick that it's almost like, okay, this is fine, whatever. And then she's like, shoot, go away now. But when you start to really think about it, you're like, man, this is quite convenient how all these things happen so quickly. Sure. And it, and it's very mysterious, obviously. I mean, the, the bolt is missing. The gray man yeah. was somehow killed. And his crossbow's gone. The murder weapon's gone. Yeah, so, so it's just... Besides Shiriam just being there and that being suspect, we kind of talked about this, but Nynaeve questioned sir. Why did you come mm-hmm. up here, Shiriam said I? Right. And knowing what we know about Shiriam, this should have been an opportunity for Shiriam to lay down the law. Even with everything that just happened, Shiriam should have been like, who the bleep are you talking to? And she doesn't really give it like that. She was just like, well, does the mistress of novices now need an excuse for coming into the novices' quarters? Like, she gives a valid answer, but I just think it's still a little bit defensive because it's too soft of a response. You know, she's not trying to give herself away. I'm definitely suspicious of her. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, at this stage, I remember just being like, oh, there's something shady going on. (laughs) <laughs> you know, when I was reading this my first time. Uh, for real. Uh, well, I, mean, so, I don't think this Shiriam Sadai is the Shiriam Sadai because she knows about the the spanking that is coming the girl's way and all that good stuff. So, yeah. like, mm-hmm. I, I, the disappearing of the bolt is concerning because whoever this other great person is got past them somehow. So this person is shimmering inside the White Tower. Like, that, it doesn't seem like the White Tower is as protected as it's made out to be, or I thought it was initially. Um, you know, you can't even disapparate in Hogwarts. How can you shimmer inside of the White Tower? Mm. You know, that's kind of my thought. There, there should be greater protections. But it also goes to show the the level or lack thereof of knowledge that the current eyes that I have as opposed to, you know, assuming Landfear has something to do with this, because I'm still a little confused as to Landfear's role in all of this. Yeah. Like, I'm not quite sure where she actually stands. I think she's out to kind of make her own way. Next to Rand, if she gets her way. Yeah, and so that's why I can see her trying to get off Egwene and Nynaeve, but, you know, is she really out to, like have this army of Black Aja and serve the Dark One, or is she out to overthrow the Dark One and then have herself and Rand kind of rule it all? Yeah. Mm. And is, is yeah. any of that even possible? Like, there's so many questions right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sure. the, the one thing I wanted to point out, and maybe we'll get to this, but at the very end, um, as after Sheriam leaves, uh, Nynaeve says, did you notice what Sheriam did not mention? And Egwene says, no, what? She never wondered who stabbed him. Mm, now, come on, yeah. the room is just down here, and you can put your feet up. Now, to be fair, it, it's not like Sheriam's going to wonder out loud everything. She's like, oh, boy, I guess it's lucky you guys found this. Uh, I'll take care of it. I'm an Aes Sedai. You go off. You shouldn't be worried about this. But on the other hand, that is kind of curious. Like, yeah. were you going to ask or wonder? Like, shouldn't you be looking for someone else or something, you know? Or even a warning, like, hey, Beware! Somebody stabbed him, so there's still danger here. So there's nothing. 
No. And doesn't she do some weird thing where she like covers it, covers the body with like fog so that no one can see it or something? Yeah, she doesn't trip the air. And I even comment saying, "Oh, that looked interesting. I can, I think it's something else I can use that for." And that's yeah. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I'm doing they're just gonna rise up against her, you know, rise up. I didn't even catch okay. that, Alan. But Nynaeve only needs to see uh, a, a new trick one time. She sees it right. once. Yeah. Got it. And she could do it even better. Yeah. It is also, I think, important to point out the girls think maybe there's another gray man. Maybe that's why you maybe someone's kind of escaped their notice. Yeah. Or maybe Shiriam is a gray woman. Is it something you can turn on and off? Like, can you be visible sometimes and not sometimes as a gray man? <laughs> I mean, just because they're great people doesn't mean that they can't speak and do and. Gray lives matter. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Chris, I love how quickly, once you learn that there could be women also, I love how quickly you transition to great people. (laughs) Rise up. Hilarious. Yep. Cool. Well, this is the end of the chapter with them questioning. Who stabbed, you know, sure never asked who stabbed the gray man, and that's the end of this chapter. So ourselves a who done it. It was yeah. Colonel Mustard in the observatory <laughs> with the revolver. Candlestick. It's always candlestick. the candlestick. Oh, candlestick. So final thoughts or anything we missed? Do we get to see the spankings? Am I is it? <laughs> just, just close your eyes and imagine. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I trust me. In that way, I. I don't know if like we get to see the spanking together. Yeah, I do wonder how they're going to deal with spanking in the show because there is too much of it. <laughs> oh, so there's a lot of spanking in the show. That's probably the best. Non spoilery spoiler I have ever received. Thank you. Anyways. Favorite character. <laughs> you guys have one of these chapters? Yeah, well, I want to know, like, of the three girls, who's sort of your standout favorite right now? Elena, Gwen, or Nadine? Oh, naive, and it still, to me, has to do with just sheer potential. Even that little blip that Alan was talking about, like, she sees one new move and she goes, I can think of a way to use that. Like, she just, gosh, she's, she's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. She's already good. She's going to be gooder. Gooder. <laughs> gooder. Oh, yeah. So good it's gooder. And have we seen it? Have we seen in Elaine's head? I can't remember if we've seen that. Like, uh, I don't think it's been a point of view for uh, us. It's only been from Egwene's point of view, right? The, so yeah. far. I think we've had a naive point of view maybe last book. Yeah, in yeah. the first book for sure, there was one or two. And then yeah, we got it when she was more, when she wasn't as aware or accepting of her power. Yeah. And right when she was kind of going through the moment of disappointment from Land, and then it's kind of been spotty. Um, yeah. At best, I think for me, I, I do like Nynaeve in this, but Egwene, because we're seeing so many faucets of her um, self 
like you've got this intentional survival mentality of I'm not going to be locked away. And her perception of the White Tower now is cell-like, as if she was still in a collar. So I don't see her... I see her pushing to learn as much as she can regarding to the one power and how to manipulate it, but I don't see her becoming an Aes Sedai. Uh, you can put that in the predictions. I don't. I do not believe that Nynaeve is going to become Aes Sedai. Nynaeve or, or Egwene? Excuse me, Egwene. Nynaeve no. will become Aes Sedai, and I feel like she'll go as far as become an Amulet Seat. Interesting. So you can put okay. that in predictions as well. Um, okay. And, you know, I could be completely wrong. Out of the two of them, it'll be one of the two, but I really feel like we're going to see Egwene kind of become that rogue. Not black, but I can see her becoming, going rogue with the intent of, you know, survival of herself and potentially Rand. Like, I know men said that it's not really in her destiny to be with him in the way she wants, but that doesn't say that she won't be with him at all. She may become a tool of the dragon. Love it. An extra layer of this that I am loving is seeing the chat and everyone's reactions to your guys' predictions. (laughs) (laughs) So much fun to see everyone just reacting to your reactions. Good and they can't see it. They can't see it. And you know, years from now, when we're done, they're gonna the whole Discord unlock to them. They can go back and read years and years of. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to stuff. see all of the LOLs. What the bleep is he thinking? It's drunk. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Uh, exactly. All right. So the next three chapters we're gonna do because we're gonna do three again. Um, the next chapter is Hunters Three. So Hunters 3 hmm. is the next chapter. The Red Sister. <laughs> and then and then Healing. Are we going to get Matt back? <laughs> yep. Sure. <laughs> we got to have one main character die eventually. I think Matt needs to be off. Oh, oh, just wait. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, those are the next three chapters. Sir. I'm just the the red exploded, by the way. <laughs> so, like, uh, Hunters three is, I think, is just going to be a Gwen, Nynaeve, and um, Elaine. Elaine, like I think she's still going to pull Elaine in, even though Elaine's going to say, "I don't care what they say, I'm going to help." You know, that's yeah. kind of been like the narrative at this point. And then sure. the red sister. Which one of, the, of our main chicks has been a red? Uh, so Leandrin was red because she's black also. Yeah. But then there's Elida, who was red. That was Morgase's advisor, yeah. uh, who's left behind. So I think um, it'll be about her. Elida. Yeah, it could be an Elida chapter. We're, we're yeah. due some explanation on her. She's clearly going to play a bigger role. And so I was thinking yeah. about this earlier. Elida has the potential uh, to teach Egwene about these dreams. I know dreams and the foretellings are probably not exactly the same thing, but maybe they are. Maybe they relate it's somehow. A, and the other question is, like, keep going. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, we know Elida could do the foretellings and not many people can. So yeah. I could see them linking up on that topic. When do the girls pick their color? 
when they become, I mean, it's not too much of a spoiler. It's when they become Aes Sedai. Yeah. Okay, like so they won't be in pre-picking or like going towards a direction while they're training. So they all talk about it when they're as they're training, like you know did who they what, going, what Asha. Did he what say Asha going they towards? Want. He said going towards an erection. I think only the oh. only the green do that. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's that third chapter title again? The third chapter is healing. Healing. Well, we already went. We're hoping, I'm hoping at least, that we get some of Matt back. The other side of that could be that Rand could get some help here because we haven't heard from Rand in a while. We know he's been deeply hurt. So, Yeah. How are you guys feeling about the pacing of the book so far? Well, Alan just sped it up for us. He's went from two chapters to three because he's trying to get it done in like four years instead of six. (laughs) (laughs) He thought he he was sly. He's like, yeah, we're just going to do three this time. Well, we're going to do three this time now. Well, now it's becoming more than an occurrence. It does help, though, that the Dragon Reborn has shorter chapters, typically. Yeah, there are shorter chapters. But yeah, I I remember feeling like the pacing of this book slowed down a lot. but, but you know, the, we talked so much tonight about a lot of important character development, other stuff that you just got to get. So, yeah, it's all. Yeah. Three chapters, we can usually handle three chapters. There are some chapters where you can only do two, and there are some chapters where there'll be one chapter episodes. We haven't done those yet, but they're coming. Yeah, some big prologues and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, some prologues and then, um, and then there's the there's there's one chapter at the very end that I don't know how we're gonna do that one. I'm still going yeah the, the one chapter that's famously larger than the entire first Harry Potter book. Yes. <laughs> wow. So when we get to that chapter, I'm not sure how we're gonna do that one. Yeah, we might have to do multiple episodes on that chapter. A book within a book. Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Um, yeah, thanks uh, for coming out. I haven't just, uh, yeah, helping us out. You were great, fantastic. Um, it's been a lot of fun. So, um, yeah. how can people find you? I know we talked to you on a YouTube channel. Is there any, um, how they find you? Is yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter as Unraveled, Unraveling Watt, and uh, on uh, YouTube, just Unraveling the Pattern. Check okay. out my videos. I wish I had more. I'm working on it. I'm really trying and to get it, as many videos out before the show comes out. But the few I have are, are well liked, and I'm glad that people like it and sure. are supporting it. So, Sure. And is there any way people can support you? I mean, obviously, like, subscribe to the YouTube channel and all the good stuff. But do you have Patreon? Or I do have a Patreon, yeah. It's uh, okay. Unraveling. I think it's Unraveled, actually. Patreon.com okay. slash Unraveled. Okay. Cool. You should, uh, people should go check it out. Think about giving. That'd be awesome. Yeah, um, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's one thing. That, that's one thing that I, I want to start doing is when we have guests on, either offer to give it to uh, their patron or uh, offer a frosty mug. So I'll let you. You don't have to choose right now, but uh, <laughs> either one, I can send you a frosty mug, like Dusty Wheel does. Uh, good old Matt Hatch, or just contribute to to one of your levels on Patreon. Um, Oh yeah, thank you. In, thank you for coming on. But we'll we'll talk about that offline. Which one you want? Um, but um, how we can be found is at the Will Reads, uh, at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those good places. Uh, the Will Reads, the Will Reads dot com is our website, which actually just goes to the Great dot com. Um, the Will Reads at Gmail dot com. 
is our email. I kind of, you know, really, really um, uh, got this whole the wheel reads thing down. <laughs> like pretty much everywhere, the wheel reads is where we are. Um, we're on Patreon. It's guess what? Patreon.com slash the wheel reads. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Uh, Bingo. Uh, Discord as well. Um, you can find us on uh, our Discord links um, at our website. Also, our merch does not have slash the little reads because it's a little longer of a website for our merchandise. But um, uh, that's that link is also in our on our website. So go f- feel free to check those out. Also, like um, share us whatever you do on whatever platform you listen to us on, whether it's Spotify or our Google or Google Podcast or Apple. Yeah, just uh, like us, subscribe. Uh, rate us, all that good stuff. Um, I think that's all I got for this week. Anything more for you guys? Until next time. La, da, 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 da. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time. <laughs>